Hi guys, welcome and welcome back to the pod. I've been meaning to watch that. I am your co-host Monica and I am joined with my wonderful co-host Glenn. Say hi Glenn. Hi guys, how are hi. y'all doing? Guys, today... <laughs> we did it. I finally convinced her. <laughs> it took every... It took everything uh, in me, but we were able to do it. Guys, today we're going to be talking about Euphoria, everyone's favorite new teen drama. It recently ended, so we're going to be going. We're we're going to be going over season one and season two, talking what we think, how we feel about the show. But before we get into that, we're going to talk about "Can't Wait to Watch," which is a segment on the show where we talk about movies and TV shows that we cannot wait to watch that are coming out soon. Glenn. Is there anything that you can't wait to watch that's going to be coming out pretty soon? Um, so the first one that I have to mention, I know I mentioned it before, but when this podcast comes out, it'll be already out, but just mm. coming out. Um, the Batman. It comes right. out on Friday. Very mm. excited. Yeah. I need Zoe Kravitz to be in more than 27 seconds of the film. Yeah. Um, so very excited for that. Also, um, all of my roommates really enjoy the DC universe, so it'll probably be like a new routing or something. Okay, that's cute. Um, I think I might go watch the Batman since it's gonna be out in theaters. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't leave my house very often except for work. <laughs> so, like, the thing, like, I'm double vaxxed up. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I should be going out and wearing wearing less, going out more. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's, yeah. So I might go see it. Um. One movie that I'm kind of excited to watch is uh, The Atom Project. Oh, mm-hmm. I saw about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's com- it comes out March 11th. And when I first saw it, I was like, look, if Ryan Reynolds is in it, I'm going to watch it. Okay, that's I it. <laughs> that's I just it. saw an ad for it this yeah, morning. Yeah, like if you got my way, you have Ryan Reynolds. I love him. You know, like I, if there's one white man, I'm, I'm going to watch no matter what he's in it's ryan reynolds (laughs) and you know the movie is interesting it's about a 12 year old kid who sees like something from outer space land in his backyard and he finds out that it it was like a person who is him from the future or something like that and he's on a mission to save the future whatever um if it turns out to be another movie that's a long-winded metaphor for climate change i'm probably going to turn it off in the middle of it but i'm gonna give it a shot I'm gonna give it a try. I'm gonna see what what they're doing with it. You know, Zoe Saldana is in it. Mark Ruffalo's in it. Uh, Jennifer Garner is in it. And, you know, maybe it'll be good. You know, maybe uh, you know we'll see what we'll see what happens. You know, I'm, I'm kind of interested. I'm so tired of movies about climate change. Like honestly, like I know that like it wouldn't fix the issue, mm-hmm. but like if we could divert the budget from every climate change movie that's come out in the last five years mm-hmm. and diverted that into creating laws stopping the biggest pollution companies at least in america yeah and closing the loopholes that they're yeah. getting through so that that allow them to continue their mass pollution climate change really won't even be an issue anymore yeah there are a lot of countries that have moved forward towards like green energy and like mm-hmm. recycling efforts and here in america we still we talk about it, but we really don't yeah, do it. We're still giving people like those huge styrofoam cups and you expect it to be a medium size when it's like bigger than my head. Mm-hmm. So there's more that we could do for climate change rather than like call up every single A-list actor you know and ask them to be in a movie and then have like Ariana Grande and Kid Cudi sing a song at the end telling people to, it's, 
there's so much more that can be done but you know yeah i digress but yeah um glenn is there anything else that you're excited to watch that's gonna be coming out soon um just because i'm always interested because i'm a sucker for an adorable disney movie i think turning red also comes out march 11th um uh it's about this girl i gotta look up um where she's from but she turns into like this red panda whenever she gets stressed Mm -hmm. um her name is miley um Mm -hmm. that's weird i can't i can't find like uh what country it takes place in because disney's been doing a lot of movies where like the 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 setting is a different country it didn't pop up right away but regardless her name is miley um from what i can tell from the trailer she just turns into a red panda whenever she gets really stressed or like just anything very high emotional um Mm -hmm. and the animation obviously it's disney but it looks so beautiful and adorable um it looks like it's going to be like another heartwarming like childlike story because this is like i think she's supposed to be like 13 so it's very much like a young kid story as opposed to like a more like adult adventure story um so that'll be cute if it i feel like they're going very inside out route very like mm-hmm. that style where it wasn't like a big adventure or a quest or anything it was very much a coming of age um in like you know your own city type vibe yeah um i'm looking at it i think it's set in toronto is it Toronto? yeah it looks cute like it looks adorable it's the first uh, apparently, it is the first Pixar film to be solely directed by a woman, mm. and it's the second to feature an Asian lead character after Up. So it looks pretty good, you know. Also, it's just going to be on Disney Plus, so that makes it easy. Like I don't have to go anywhere. I don't have to do anything. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Yeah, I really do wish that like like you have streaming services for a reason, mm-hmm. and we are still in the middle of the pandemic, so it is good to like take advantage of the fact that like you can have your film be accessible to other people and they can watch it i understand that like the purpose of making films is to make money as well Mm -hmm. studios you know rely heavily on like ticket sales to see that their film is successful and that like film studios can get a return investment on what you know of what they created but like people don't want to leave their house right now so if you can put the movie on hbo max or on disney plus the same day releases in theaters you like the streaming numbers got to convert into dollar signs in some kind of way you know and not everybody's trying to leave their house right now so if i can just you know if we could keep it that way that would be nice exactly thank you Uh just for us just do it for the girls yeah do it for for the girls who just want (laughs) to stay home and not have to risk their lives so they have to go see like a cute little movie or whatever exactly and I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to like the actual movie theaters because I know that like the movie theater business itself is like struggling because of the pandemic. But like, mm-hmm. I got popcorn at home. Yeah. I got my soda at home. Mm-hmm. I got my blankets at home. Yeah. I don't need to be going out. I don't I'm, need to be doing all that. I'm good. And guess what? If I'm watching at home, I can talk to my roommates during the movie. Mm-hmm. We can discuss. We can. We, we. It's just an overall better experience. Like, there's some movies that, like, big blockbusters see in theaters, amazing event, occasion, whatever, amazing feeling. But, like, if it's like, just, like, a Disney movie, those just feel better at home. Yeah. Yeah, it is nice to just watch a film at, in the comfort of your own home. Mm-hmm. That is very nice. Okay. I think the last, I think another thing I'm excited to watch is this film called Fresh. It comes out March 4th. It's coming out on Hulu. Okay. And... The movie is basically about this young girl in 
you know, mid-20s, goes on lots of dates, doesn't know what she wants to do with her life. Mm-hmm. And she meets this guy, and this guy is just so different. <coughs> <coughs> the guy is also Sebastian Stan, but I'm watching the I'm watching the trailer, and it's so like I already know. I already know. Sebastian Stan has stepped into his Hulu bag, and I <laughs> love that for him. I know this movie is about to be a thriller. It's about to like bend genres. It's about to be different. It's about to be weird. About to be intense, immersive. All the big buzzwords they put at the end of the trailer at the last thirty seconds, like get you hooked and not give you any kind of like key hits to what's going on in the plot, but make you think, "Oh, this is gonna be interesting." Like I know when I watch this movie, I'm just going to be like buzzing after it's done. So it's called Fresh. I'm excited to watch it. It also stars uh, Daisy Edgar Jones, who I think is in that show, Normal People. Is that what the show is called? Hmm. I've never, I never watched that show because I never really had an interest in it. Oh, yeah. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, mm-hmm. it's yeah. about straight people falling in love. But like, yeah, you're right. Normal yeah, people. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I'm going to give it a try. After I watch Fresh, I'm going to watch Normal People because there's a lot of times where, like, you know, like, I want to be honest. If something has like an all white cast, I'm like, I'm good. I already watched the session. I'm good. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. Uh, I got my white people shows already. I'm okay. okay. Thank I, you. I already filled my quota for the year. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I filled my Caucasian quota last week. So y'all gonna have to run it back next month. Thanks though. Thank you. But yeah, mm-hmm. I'm good. Yeah. So Fresh is definitely one that I want to watch. I'm excited. Okay. If that's it, then we're just gonna get started talking about euphoria oh my god we did it we did it <laughs> i'm not listen okay wait <laughs> there's a lot do, to be said to, today do you want to start with just like general thoughts of the show overall or do you want to dive into characters <gasps> what do you where do you want to start okay let's just go general thoughts okay. because i am the kind of person that like when i watch a tv show i take a lot of notes mm-hmm. while i'm watching it and I'm going to say, like, overall, I like the show, but at the same time, I don't like the show. You know, I can appreciate, like, a lot of the writing, the cinematography, the way that it's stylized, the story and, like, the plot and, you know, how raw it is at times. But there are things that I am uncomfortable with, like the excessive amount of nudity with adults who are portraying minors and Sam Levison's um, lack of understanding. Like, there's a lot to the show that we could talk about. One thing I do want to touch on is a, is a TikTok I saw on my For You page. And it was by Deja Talks TV, who I love, who is an amazing TikToker. And like, they're great. Um, talking, basically Deja stitched another TikTok. It was of a podcast. And the girl was talking about how if Rue really was like, Rue, like they can't, the person was like, if I knew someone like Rue who was black and I knew Rue had a sister, Rue's sister would be with her aunts. Like Rue's sister would not still be at the house while she was dealing with all this. And the reason for that is because like Sam Levison, like Rue's obviously a depiction of Sam Levison when he was younger, dealing with drug abuse when he was a teenager. 
But Sam Levinson is a white man mm-hmm. and Rue is a black woman. Mm-hmm. And even though anybody of any race can go through drug abuse and addiction, the way that we interact with these situations in community is different within different races because mm-hmm. white people don't really understand community. Like y'all talk about your second and third cousins and I don't understand the linguistics of that. Like I have my cousins and I have my aunties. I have uncles that are not related to me by blood, but I know that they're my aunties and uncles. Like I call this person my auntie. I call this person like pop, pop, whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. And even though they're not like my literal family, they are family. So if there was someone that I knew who was dealing with something like that, people who you are in community with, who you see as family would be visiting you We'll be talking to you, mm-hmm. we'll be sending you food, mm-hmm. we'll be coming over to like, I don't know, pray with you or like at least play like cards or dominoes or like watch family yeah. feud with you. Like there is a disconnect and there's like yeah. an isolation. That that is something that like I felt was very weird when I was like watching like certain scenes and like whenever I would remember that Gia was still around. Cause like growing up, like we had like our emergency contacts and everything, and like if anything ever happened to our parents, like where we go in and i think there's maybe one one person on that list that was like blood related to us everyone but like everyone else like they were family i would like they were our aunts they were our uncles they were my grandparents but like not related in any way they're just they're our community they're our family they were so the fact that like g was just there the whole time it just i guess it just felt off I would like I would forget that she was there too. Like I yeah. like in the in my head I would have been like, oh like Gia isn't around, like she's somewhere else. And then like she'd just be in her room. I was like, Yeah. What? You know, I love Storm Reed. She's an amazing actress. Mm. And I'm very glad I'm glad that she's on this show because you know, her first starting out in her career was doing a lot of like roles for young kids, but I'm glad that she got to be on Euphoria pretty early in her career that way people can see like the depth of her character and mm-hmm. the range of her acting and I think that um oh gosh I feel so like I feel so deeply for Gia because Gia is a lot like Lexi you know mm-hmm. like they both like I don't think a lot of people draw these uh parallels with like Cassie and Rue and like the thing with Cassie like her dealing with like hypersexualization because She's seeking male validation because her father mm-hmm. abandoned her and like he's a drug addict. And then Rue losing her father at a very young age while dealing with these mental problems that led to her drug abuse. So mm-hmm. she wouldn't have to feel all the emotions that she's feeling all the time. And them both having to try and be whole people and not just like these abstract concepts, like just like you are like, we're not like the sum of our faults, you know, like mm-hmm. we people are like universes. Like there are things within us that people don't understand. And I think that Euphoria does a good job of getting that, but like, you know, it, it misses the mark when it comes to very specific things that black people understand that white people cannot comprehend. Like you have a one man writing team that is using a black woman as a way to basically like, you know, talk about the things he went through in his youth, which mm-hmm. is, it's valid and like, it's understandable and like young black teens go through this as well. But when Rue leaves rehab and she starts running around in the streets, riding her bike at night, coming in late and her mom is not, like her mom is concerned and her mom is worried, but she goes up to her mom. She's like, hey mom, can I sleep over this friend's house? And her mom's just like, sure. Like, 
no that doesn't yeah, <laughs> doesn't happen yeah. in black households all the time like like the mom has to call the parent and then like the mom drops the kid off and then stays talking to the parent for a little bit mm-hmm. and then leaves and like you know there's like all this ado around it like Ruby being able to just like and like i forget his name i feel bad i forget his name but like her her mentor like her mentor ollie, ollie like yeah. he like when he like came in and he talked to um like Lou's mom and then like he came over again and he made dinner that seemed much more realistic I was like this is what would happen this is what should have been happening the whole time I liked Ali I like him a lot like I love Coleman Domingo he's an amazing actor and I think every scene he does with Zendaya is just like chef's kiss Mm -hmm. you know they're both wonderful actors and them like together is very wonderful and I really do wish that they like I do wish that um Zen, like not Zendaya's mom but like I wish Leslie who plays who's the name of his her mom in mm-hmm. the show met Ali in season one yeah. instead of in season two because I felt like that was kind of like I feel like they made I think that they made that decision because Sam Levison obviously saw all the critiques online of like mm-hmm. how Rue is kind of just like out in these streets Mm-hmm. just doing whatever you know and like her mom doesn't seem a little bit more concerned about what's going on with her you know like I understand like her mom drug testing her and everything is meant to show how serious she is serious she is about like making sure Ruth stays clean but like I am 24 years old I have never done anything that Rue has ever done I have always been someone who's like tried to have good grades in school and my parents still would like ask like who are you talking to on your phone or like look through my room and stuff like like Mm -hmm. I'm not at all like rude but I was still dealt like a heavy hand of like hyper surveillance when I was a Mm -hmm. young kid Mm -hmm. and these kids are like kind of posting on social media and just doing whatever and the black kids that I know have other people within their community that are constantly checking in on them as in like being in their business Mm -hmm. but it's you know it's very obviously told from the perspective of being a white person you know when like parents they discipline you but they still like just let you do whatever you know and that's not the same way that's not the same vibe it is in the black community like every other week black twitter has an argument about whether or not you should beat your kids like Mm -hmm. you remember when uh there was that lady who said she would save her man and let her child die in a fire yes you remember that yeah yes yes like the conversations Black Twitter has constantly about family planning and raising children is not the same conversations that white people have. They have conversations about like what, how many IEs can I put in my kid's name? Can I yeah. add a G and like a silent Y in my kid's name? Mm-hmm. Like that's the conversations that they have, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which of these elitist schools do you think mm-hmm. will look make my child look the best? Yeah, it's like. Which one of these costumes should I put on my kid, even though these are very <gasps> much not racially appropriate? No, no, so here's but... the thing. You said that wrong. You, what you meant is which one of these costumes am I going to put on my dog? Diet. Dog, That is kid. a white person conversation. Which one of these costumes, which Christmas costume is my dog going to wear at the party? What Halloween think... costume am I buying for my dog? White people who refer to their dogs as their children. <laughs> <laughs> just like the one with superman look at my little baby look at my little child like babe he has a tail yeah right? like chill out girl he licks your baby is he licks your his face. crotch he's nasty that's not a baby that is a full animal thank you yeah but um i think that it what sam 
fails to do he kind of like no let's talk about what he also fails at okay why is it that everybody's always naked in this show like i have seen too many titties and i understand like there's very much gender equality in the nudity of the show which mm-hmm. like i can kind of appreciate but yeah. i feel like season two that he upped the ante oh he did with oh, the he did. sexualization I... so here's the th- okay so here's the thing so season one I got okay. So season one is more sexual, more innately sexual, like literal sex scenes. More of the stories mm-hmm. revolve around sex. More mm-hmm. of like the the plot lines. Versus season two is just more nudity. Like there's a lot more nudity, but it's not sexual anymore. Right. It's just it's kind of vulnerable. I think yeah, that's I think that's what he's going for. The I'm I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt here. Yeah, I think whereas in like season one he was using it purely in like a sexual way and like um you know because it's really simple and easy and like it catches people attention and like they are high schoolers like like and they're like juniors seniors like it would be stupid to believe that they aren't doing anything sexual um and then like because season two is a lot more about vulnerability like basically every single character they're going through something about like having to strip down like the facade that they create for themselves or the personality that they thought worked for them or whatever um and so I like that the nudity was used much more in a lot of times absolutely humiliating ways. Like when they all had to get undressed um, to make sure no one was wearing a wire. Mm-hmm. Like there was like nudity throughout most of the entire episode, but none of it was sexual. There was that creepy vibe when like he um, pushes Rue into the shower, the like the the big guy, and like mm-hmm. checks her. But even that, it wasn't really like sexual. It felt gross and icky, but it wasn't. Yeah. But it wasn't really like sexual. It was just she's in danger yeah there are a lot of uncomfortable moments in the show and i think that like the show does a good job of like taking vulnerable and uncomfortable moments and kind of like lingering on them there are a lot of close like close shots in the show where like they zoom in on a character's face and it's kind of like a form of like just searching the person's emotions Mm -hmm. and trying to figure out like how they're feeling in the moment And you are right that, like, season one did focus a lot more on, like, sex. And season two was a lot more about, like, just being vulnerable and, like, being... I think season two focused more on, like, just the characters mm-hmm. and, like, fleshing out some of the characters that were kind of, like, background yeah. uh, in season one and just trying to figure out, like, what's going on with them and, like, figure mm-hmm. out their emotions through that. Uh, I... Like, I'm, like, I would consider myself kind of a prudish person, okay. which is why I was so hesitant to watch Euphoria because yeah, I don't usually, fair. like, <laughs> I don't that's usually, fair. like, um, watch shows that are like this. Like, Game of Thrones was a stretch for me because it was like, oh, it's like history. And, like, I could easily skip through some of the parts where there was, like, naked bits because, like, mm-hmm. it was, it wasn't, there were too many and people weren't really, like, talking the most. But in Euphoria, there is dialogue and there are, like, moments when they're having sex that like you have to stay there yeah like there are there are very important you're gonna miss yeah they yeah there are very important moments that happen either during the sex or during the nudity that like you really can't miss like you 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 can't skip it because you're missing like valuable pieces of information yeah and you know actresses have come forward and said that they support sam levison in the scenes that he makes and that they feel comfortable and like they've talked about how like um if there's a scene that they don't want in the show that he'll drop it and there have been like rumors surrounding like um barbie fiera and like why her character was sidelined 
in season two and like what really happened and like people on tiktok say it's because uh sam pitched um <clears throat> an ed storyline and maybe she didn't want to do that so that's why she was sidelined and i did like cats kind of like um story in season one wow. i did have some problems with it but like for the most part it really did like capture like the tumblr girl no I'll you know? just, okay okay i'm going yeah. to say this is going to call me out um it's fine you can call me out um mm -hmm. of all the characters that like i personally relate to the most i thought it was jules at first just because of like her beginning storylines but it's definitely cat like as soon as we got to cat's episode i was like now why is someone writing about my life why is someone without paying me either like i didn't see any check in the mail and yet my life is being accurately displayed on screen i was like dang and i was really sad like i understand yeah I mean, I don't like that she was sidelined. And if the mm -hmm. rumors are true, I really don't like that she was sidelined. Yeah. Um, but like, I mean, there's nothing that you can do. Like, it was still an amazing season. Um, yeah. But it was very airtight. It was well done. Like, the, I, I can't think of what I would have taken out to make more room for like a storyline with Kat. I think that season one, <clears throat> it was really interesting to like kind of, because really, like really, when people have like fat characters on TV shows, it is centered around them losing weight mm -hmm. or them trying to figure out how to love themselves. Mm -hmm. And I like that in episode, I think it was the first or second episode of season two, it had like all these influencers oh, in Kat's mm -hmm. face, just mm -hmm. like kind of telling her to like love herself. They're like, you're so brave. Like, oh my gosh, I love your body. It's like, mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah, but also you have a flat stomach and exactly. like you bought your boobs. Mm -hmm. So I really don't care about like your opinion because it doesn't really affect me at where I am at and how I am feeling in mm -hmm. the moment. Like I related to that. Exactly. And when you like, especially like, I think we're supposed to like believe that she was kind of in a depressed state during that time. But like, if you're in a depressed state or if you like for some reason whatever like you you don't like your body uh right then or you don't like mm -hmm. your body in general you don't need people telling you to love your body you need people to listen like she just needs someone to listen just let me hate myself yeah. and just like rant at you for a little bit and i guarantee i will feel better in like i'll start feeling better i'll start feeling better a little bit just let me actually say what i think and what i feel about myself without you telling me what I should be feeling. Yeah, and you are absolutely right. Kat should have somebody who kind of like understands where she's coming from and how she feels in the moment. And I like that Kat is, Kat was like kind of going through like this phase of like being confident and everything. I, I don't like that she became a cam girl because I do think that there is a conversation to be had about young women mm -hmm. and how they feel like, becoming an adult or becoming a woman leads to younger girls sexualizing themselves way too early on in life like how sex is somehow a stepping stone into becoming a full actualized person when really it's just a it's a smaller part of your life that you can mm -hmm. like leave off for later like I know that young people have sex like I understand that teens are sexual and they're like sexually active with one another or with adults but I think that um cat coming to going on her journey of loving herself and being confident in herself and taking ownership of her body I kind of I do wish that it didn't lead to a career an early career or maybe an unnecessary career of sexual exploitation yeah. especially with that one guy 
in the black screen in that oh, creepy mm-hmm, voice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When I tell you my stomach turned inside out, I hated it. 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 Because the thing that Sam Levinson is going to do, he's going to show you the pretty parts and he's going to show you the ugly parts. Mm-hmm. And at that, at least at that, I can appreciate that. Because and I like, even though, I, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I like that her character absolutely hated too. And like, that mm-hmm. was the last time we ever really saw her doing your cam work. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say like it scarred her because like we don't really like see that scarred her. She seems pretty fine after that. But like, she she was going out she was doing her thing she was doing her webcam thing and then she encountered something that made her feel uncomfortable made mm-hmm. her feel disgusting made her feel used and she immediately stopped she was like and that's it i am closing this laptop and you will never see me again and i like that we're not we don't need we can the audience feels uncomfortable cat feels uncomfortable we can leave it there we can yeah. have her have a, have a happy ending and just be done with that section of her life yeah we can move on and i think that Cat going on this journey of being confident in her body would have been, you know, a race. Like, I feel like you would have, like, you basically would have just, like, shitted on all the progress she made mm-hmm. if you tagged in an ED storyline. You know, I know that, like, people of any size can deal with those kind of things. And a lot of times when you talk, well, a lot of times in film and in television shows, when they have a character who suffers from a, an ED, it's someone who's skinny and someone who's white mm-hmm. and it would be different to see cat you know who is i think i think we're meant to i think she is white in the show i don't think we're meant to believe that she's latina or anything i'm pretty sure she's just like a white woman um but i think it would have been interesting to have that if maybe you started with that first and then we led into the you know confidence but if you want to go from confidence into that then it's yeah. like why did we do this in the first place? Exactly, you know? exactly. And, like, maybe- and see, I wouldn't have liked that storyline. <clears throat> yeah. I feel like it would have ruined what, like, overall, I feel like Kat is one of the characters that, like, no one has a problem with. Like, no one's yeah. arguing about Kat. Kat's one of the characters who were, like, written well, did amazing, love her, end of story. Like, yeah. I guess people are a little bit mad, a little bit, like, she broke up with Ethan, and, like, she wasn't, like, brave enough to, like, do it, like, you know, upfront, honestly, but, like, that's a very minor issue. Like, oh no, you were a little bit mean to your high school boyfriend that you broke up with. Like, no one actually cares. That doesn't compare to what all the other characters are doing. That's just right. someone being a little bit inconsiderate. Not like a lot of the characters, most of these characters are not good people. Most of these characters are committing crimes. She most was just of a little bit weird. these characters are just like, kind of, they, they really just, they really just be doing whatever, mm-hmm. you know? And they're not the great people. They're not the best role models. Uh, I just have to say, I love Ethan. Ethan has a special place in my heart because he's mm-hmm. just the one person. He's the one person who's like nice, uh, funny, just seems like a genuine also, good dude. Also, with that, like funny, nice, those sort of things, but the fact, because you've watched all of it, right? Yeah. Okay. The fact in the second to last episode, in the last episode, that was Ethan playing the mom. That was Ethan, who's like the, the lead, like yeah. the singing star of um like the sexual Jim Bro scene. Mm-hmm. Like the amount of confidence that the character Ethan has to have in order to go up on stage in the school that you go to unpaid and play one, like a 40 year old woman. And perfectly, by the way, like the mom said that he nailed it spot on. And also make fun of every Jim Bro. And you are the lead, you're not one of the backup dancers. You're not someone who can like duck the head and fly under the radar. No, you are the yeah. star yeah like that takes an incredible amount of like self-confidence and 
just like belief in yourself and the fact that he nailed it and it was absolutely hilarious like that says a lot about ethan's character and i was so happy i was like oh my god ethan's doing it yeah this is the one time where i care more about the white person yeah i'm rooting for the white boy the leading leading color (laughs) like this that's my favorite white boy right there like there he goes there he goes because like season one when ethan meets cat for the first time it makes me think of like dating when you're plus size and like how difficult that can be because Mm -hmm. a lot of men view dating as like the gateway to marriage or to sex Mm -hmm. so of course they're going to date people that they're physically attracted to and oftentimes when men date women who are not like a size six or like over a size 14 they do it in a fetishizing way or they do it in a way that's in secret or they do it as like a dare or a joke but when you're confident in like your social standing as a person and you don't view dating as a way to gain social capital so that mm-hmm. other men can compliment you for bagging a good one or mm-hmm. like having a baddie on your arm or whatever mm-hmm. like finding a dime when you would simply date just to be with somebody because of their like personality because of their mm-hmm. spirit because of their flow mm-hmm. you could date anybody of any size and ethan being an emotionally mature 17 year old saw a cat and saw that she was funny smart mm-hmm. and confident and he liked her and i feel like and he saw those outfits. It was yes. like, this bitch knows what she's yes, doing. Yes, he's a bitch. She was, every single outfit of hers, Every gorgeous. single fit was, was in. <laughs> I was Ethan like, is- I had all of these in my closet. The jackets, yep. the t-shirt. I was like, she nailed it every single time. They yep. nailed her. Someone Ethan- did their research on Kat's yes. character. Because Ethan, he appreciates the fit. He understands. He's yeah. like, this fits go hard. It's like, <laughs> damn, girl. <laughs> he was like, damn. <laughs> he was into it. And like, he, I feel like, because Kat, obviously, like, she's a minor. Mm-hmm. So like, her not having the emotional maturity to like, properly communicate what she wants in a relationship. That's understandable. She's also yeah. a Tumblr girl. Mm-hmm. Like, her wanting a Dorothraki that will dominate her in a relationship and not wanting, like, the nice guy. He's just like... Yeah, and, like, they they mentioned it in season one and it really didn't come back around. I thought it was going to come up when she was, like, considering breaking up with Ethan. Like, I thought we at least get mentioned. She's a Tumblr famous fan fiction writer. Yeah. Like, I'm guessing that those fan fictions aren't soft, sweet, cuddly because very yeah. few Tumblr fan fictions are. Like, mm-hmm. I felt like that would have, like, at least been brought up. Like, you established mm-hmm. it before. She's clearly very good at it because she had, like, what was it, like, 50,000 followers? Something yeah. like that. Like, she had a fair amount of followers from it. So, I felt like and that would have come point, up. You can like, make money off of your fan fiction. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I thought, like, Netflix, you know? Like, you could buy it. Like, after, and after we collided. Yeah. Like, bro, that would be a funny storyline. I know that went to fit with the context of everything else. Blah, blah, blah. But give that girl a show. Honestly, give that girl a movie she kind of deserves it give like a little tv series it. at least yeah oh one last thing i have to say about ethan they they didn't have to do him dirty like that in the bathroom party scene where like they're in the bathroom and he's like eating her out blah blah, blah and then and then he finishes in his pants while uh like before like anything like progresses i was like yeah. you didn't have to do him dirty like that that's most realistic no, I was, the, was, that, was, was that extremely that realistic, realistic. Yes. Yes. yes yes but what, you didn't have to like even mm-hmm. even is one of the best characters and i'm not holding that against him obviously like mm-hmm. he's a teenager but i was like no i was like sam Levinson, this is too far you can stop right there i was okay yeah. i was okay with 
drug addiction. I was okay with sexual exploitation. I was okay with nepotism. I was okay with domestic abuse. But as soon as you show someone finishing early, that's where I draw the line. Poor Ethan. Poor Ethan. He, man, he was like, damn. I, I do think that if Kat just talked to Ethan, he would have been okay. He would have been down to like, try something. Exactly. You know what I mean? I feel like, I hope that in season three, they get back to, I kind of want them to get I back together. That, I hope that in season three, Kat is a character. Yeah. That's right, I really hope. I hope in season three, at least her and Ethan become friends. She had like three scenes in season two and when it wasn't one of her scenes, she maybe had seven lines combined in the please, rest of the season. Please give us a male character that I can like, at least not like, like, please let them hang out with the guy that is not towering over them and is creepy as heck. Oh, please let Ethan, please let Ethan be one of the girls. Please uh, let Ethan be one of the girls. Please let Ethan hang out at the birthday parties speaking, and, you know, hang out and like be the designated driver. Cause I'm speak, sure Ethan doesn't drive. Absolutely. Speaking yeah. of one of the girls, yeah. which girl are we gonna talk about? Which one, or well, I guess it doesn't have to be one of the girls, but who's next? Mm, let's, let's talk about Cassie. Okay. I'm gonna start this, no, I'm gonna start this segment off with just saying this. Uh-huh. Entertainment value wise, yeah. Cassie is my favorite character. Now, let me say that again. She is not the person I relate to the most. That's Cat. She is not yeah. the person that I think is the best character, like morally or anything. There's no best character morally, except for like Ethan. Mm-hmm. Um, she's the character that if I am watching a show to be entertained, Cassie is the one entertaining me in season two. Well, like not like solely, but like she does an amazing job of it. Yeah, I think that like there's a lot. Of, I have a lot of thoughts behind. Okay, this. okay. Wait, let's talk about the season one because season one Cassie okay. is very different from season two Cassie. Yeah, season one Cassie is basically like the sympathetic character of, mm-hmm. um, you know, she's young. Uh, her dad was in her life and then was not due to, uh, gosh. <laughs> This is like, it's really sad. Mm-hmm. It's very sad because the thing is like, I'm very much connected to the characters. So having to talk about them feels like talking about like real people. Yeah. And I think like, it's like the actors are so good and the mm-hmm. writing is good to a degree that like helps you connect to them in like the raw unfiltered way that it's depicted in the show. But um, Cassie's father was like, Cassie's father and mother never really got along that much. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, had their problems, they had their issues. And then uh, I don't know. I don't remember exactly what happened. Didn't her father? Did her father get injured or something? Or um, like, I thought I her father became became a drug addict, and that's why he. Yeah. Like I'm not I sure if that like, was what happened originally, but I thought yeah. that's how it looked. I think that like something happened to where like he was introduced to like opioids, and mm-hmm. then that kind of fall into a drug addiction, and he like they got divorced. He would see the kids on the weekends. You know, Cassie has another sister, Lexi. And eventually the dad stopped visiting for a while. And, you know, there is a scene where the dad comes back to see them, but he really just comes back to just steal all their silverware Mm -hmm. so that he can, you know, sell them for more drugs. And it's very sad because obviously Cassie develops early as a young girl and that brings her a lot of male attention Mm -hmm. and she seeks out male validation because her father was absent in her life and she's looking for she's not looking for attention but 
her already having these layers of self-doubt within her and these insecurities that she has and she looks at other men so that she could feel validated or feel confident in herself and her body which has led her to be in certain situations where she's been recording doing certain acts that mm-hmm. are sexual and you know spread around the school these have been you know even though it's like she's a popular girl she's an it girl people are very much judging her and her promiscuity so in comes mckay the one guy Mm -hmm. who like treated her well and was like kind of nice to her like you know for the faults that mckay has i'm willing to overlook them because algie smith no so here's the thing Ah, no 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 because i i have to disagree with you i have to disagree it doesn't matter okay okay so one oh you don't like mckay gorgeous man gorgeous man you don't like mckay i don't like him for this one simple reason one simple reason (laughs) i unless this started while you were in high school which is much more understandable i guess i will never never take the side and defend a man who is in college dating someone who is in high school there is no exceptions to that rule unless they were unless they were already dating like maybe they were like a year apart and they were dating throughout high school and like the guy just happens to be like a year ahead and then like he's off in college and he's still dating his like girlfriend who's in high school then it gets a little bit gray but no if you're in college and you are dating a high schooler never okay with me never okay with me both 18 she she's a junior so she's she at least starts 17. he's 19. she's either 17 or 18. okay but they are juniors got it got it okay yeah it just it's it's a level of weird and not like necessarily like horribly creepy but i'm not gonna lie because like most of the guys that i knew in high mm, that's bad <laughs> that's okay, bad so it, says I was that, say... it says that she turned 18 during season one but when we first meet cassie she is already in a relationship with mm-hmm. McKay. McKay. so it's reasonable to assume that they were dating before she was 18. i was just about to say most of the guys in high high school that I knew when they got freshman year of college they're still dating a college girl but I don't know their trajectory the trajectory of those relationships so Mm -hmm. I am I'm gonna agree with you that like it's that thing where like "Mm, that's weird but it happens so often yeah that like you forget like yeah yeah also like from like a a funny like haha standpoint like if you're in college and you can't get any girl. You can't get anyone at college. The thing is, you're that's a embarrassing. Though. What? Like freshman guys like dating high school girls because they have a car. They're in college. Exactly. They no, no, but that's my point. They like yeah. dating down yeah. because the high school girls are easier to manipulate. Mm. But like, if you're in college, like I went to a small college. I think my entire well, not super small, but I think my entire college um had like maybe like eleven thousand people, maybe. But like. That's still 11,000 people that I have never met before. And you're telling me that you couldn't find us. And he's in California. So there's probably, it's probably even bigger college, obviously. Mm-hmm. And you're telling me there's not a single girl. There's not a single girl on all of that college camp. And you're a football star too. So it's not like you're like a nerd, like hiding off in the library, only doing your studies. You're on the field. People see you. Maybe people might not know who you are on site, but they know what you do. And you tell me there wasn't a single girl who was interested. That that screams desperation. Yeah, yeah. I do have to say that is one of the faults of McKay's character. But I want 
Like, but like that's also me being like like that's never discussed. That's never explored. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If all the stuff that Euphoria talks about, they really don't touch in that. We can talk they about don't talk we about can talk about McKay all. as the actual character yeah. and not the 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 stuff that we're just viewing from the outside. Yeah, like McKay dating somebody who is in high school is a very it is something that a lot of men a lot of guys do do Mm -hmm. you know so it is kind of like relatable in that way but um i am sad that mckay wasn't in season two because it sucks that like he was only in the show because he was dating cassie so obviously when they broke up there wasn't really a reason for him to be in season two but he was still a pretty like he was pretty solid he was a pretty solid character and i liked mckay because he was a good different differentiation of nate Mm -hmm. because nate and mckay both have very strict dads but very rigid lifestyles and very rigid morals but mckay like mckay's father is hard on him because he knows his son can do well and because Mm -hmm. he knows his son can succeed and because his son has to succeed because as a young black man you have so many things stacked up against you you need to be like a hundred percent better than everyone else and it's so hard when you're in high school and you're better than people but when you get into college everyone is just as good as you or even better than you so you really have to like really think about like what's the point like what is it there for me like what's there Mm -hmm. for me what am I supposed to be doing like how do I even like get there and him dating Cassie made him feel like a winner because Cassie is the guy that every guy wants to date but can't and she's like this beautiful sweet girl and like I believe that McKay was genuinely in love with Cassie and like really did care for her and wanted to be with her it's just that with what happened to him in his dorm room and then his dad you know not having not really realizing that his son is going through something and what he needed his dad like his dad didn't need to tell him to boss up his dad just needed to like be there and listen to him like mm-hmm. you know and i would have loved i would love to see more about what's going on with mckay but it sucks because like even though mckay was in cassie he was still nate's friend and <clears throat> i don't know i feel like, like they tried to explain why he disappeared because in like see episode one of season two when like Nate got like really weirdly sexual with um Aaron and like clearly like Aaron was very uncomfortable I feel like that was kind of like their justification of okay clearly Aaron was very uncomfortable in this situation he's not going to want to be hanging around with Nate probably and that's why he kind of like disappeared it doesn't like fully explain it but like I feel like you could draw that conclusion yeah I I get it and I think that I liked McKay because like he's the good guy you know like he's trying his best and even though like he you can see that he's a good guy he's still he is still influenced by you know the hyper masculinity mm-hmm. of like women who like watch porn or sluts like women who are prudes or sluts like you have to like take control like all this like really bro macho stuff and like Nate is friends McKay being friends with Nate could possibly be because of like a childhood thing and you know it's great it's great that obviously if this show was based in real life mckay is kind of like cutting off his ties to eastland high Mm -hmm. to focus on himself in college which is important because it'll help him succeed and like maybe in season three we can get like a little like espn like a little video Mm -hmm. of him like scoring a touchdown or something i don't know because I, I really do like Algie Smith and I think he's a really great actor and I would like to see him again in the show or in literally anything else because I think he's <laughs> phenomenal. Like he's he's beautiful. Like I love this man. What can I say? But you know, I think that he was a really interesting reflection of like 
how you can be raised in the culture of like hyper masculinity and like seeing women as sex objects, but still try to be a good person and try your best to be like, you know, like he was he freaked out when Cassie told him she was pregnant? Yes. And did he react in a volatile way at first? Yes. But mm-hmm. he turned it around and he was like, I'm sorry. I know this is hard for you. I appreciate you doing this because he already has all this pressure about school and like his dad and now his girlfriend, like him going to school and he could have gone pro and then he stuck at home with the kid is probably the life path that he did not see for himself and his family mm-hmm. did not see for him as well. So it makes sense that he was just like, he kind of like was very much not for it and it does make sense that they did break up after that because that is not something that like it's easy to deal with when you're young Mm -hmm. in a relationship because relationships when you're young feel like either you're super high or you're like super low and that can really like hurt a connection so I get it you know all in all like McKay you know I feel like McKay is an example of how white people can sometimes write characters and have these characters played by like people of color and still like the characterization can fit into the different nuances of race mm-hmm. you know what i mean because like men have to deal with like having to act like a man all the time and for black men it's even like harsher than that and i feel like in mckay's character and like in the writing it fit with him so well but it doesn't fit the same way with rue no you know yeah let's yeah what did you think of mckay and then like we can veer into Cassie yeah. after we're done with McKay. So McKay as like a character, like I liked him. All of the like, the, like he kind of gets a little bit swept up in the hyper masculinity, but like no more so than like any other person would. And he does like a good job of differentiating himself from it. So that's great. I, I mean, like obviously, like he had to break up with Cassie. That makes perfect sense. It was like a very important, uh, like a. I won't say traumatic, that seems a little bit weird, but like, it was a very scary situation. Um, I don't know, Aaron's, uh, McKay's one of the characters that like, it just like, everything he does like makes sense. Like I was never really confused by what he was doing. I was never confused by any of his motivations. It was like, mm-hmm. in a way, I hate to say it, I hate to say it, but it, it almost makes his character boring. Like I could have told you without seeing any scene with McKay, without seeing the actor whatsoever, if you had told me each situation he's put in, I could have told you beat for beat exactly what he would have done. There was no surprises. Mm. There was no changes. There was nothing weird. Um, he's very reliable. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I'm i not going to lie. I prefer... I... I like, <laughs> maybe this is the boring thing in me. I do prefer a character where, like, I kind of understand, if, like, where they're going, what they're about to do. Because mm-hmm. with Rue, she stresses me out way too much. She does stress. Like, she running out of a car in the middle of traffic? Jesus No, wait, no, wait a second. Wait a second. When she did that, so the fact that, like, I'm assuming that they were at a stoplight or a stop sign or something. The car was actually stopped yeah, 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 yeah. when she jumped out. That realistically means that there's probably a curb on the left side of you and on the right side of you. So why was she running in the middle of the traffic for about five miles before she got out of the road? Like there should be a sidewalk like 10 feet to your left that you could have ran to. You didn't need to run in the middle of the street. And guess where a car can't follow you, baby? In the grass, jumping over the fences. You running in the street could be followed. You in someone's backyard, harder to follow in a car. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um... But um, but yeah, back to, back to McKay. Um, I don't know. I would like to see a, at least a little bit of him in the future. At least want to know like how his dreams are doing. 
was he able to like go pro um if he doesn't can we get like at least a small storyline looking at how he deals with the fact that like what he's been working for his entire life he will now never be able to achieve like I don't know like give us something give him at least like half an episode mm-hmm. yeah I think that yeah McKay definitely does deserve like in the beginning I feel like in season two they should have given him like at least a nice little closer episode mm-hmm. instead of us just seeing him walk out the door and never to be seen or heard from again you know I mean that happens in life where people just like kind of walk out of your life you don't see them anymore like it's that happens you know but I mm-hmm. really like this character and I thought he was pretty dope and you know, I would like to see him in season three, at least just like pop up a little bit or like just like be mentioned. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Give, show my boy some love. You know I mean? <laughs> yeah. But let's, let's dive into Cassie. Okay. Um, I do have to say, like, I think McKay handled the Cassie situation as best as he could. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, he didn't, like, he didn't call her a whore. At least, like, that's good. But like, you know. It, but he I, did I mean, call her a whore. I understand I I can get it like you know gosh to date somebody who has that kind of past is like a little difficult because men like it when women have like some kind of mystery behind like their sexual history like oh my gosh are you a virgin like when Maddie lied to Nate very obviously lied to Nate about being a virgin because like he liked the fact that she was like all his blah 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 Mm -hmm. whatever and I'm glad that McKay at least stayed with Cassie even though he heard all the things said about her he still wanted to be with her because he liked her and he wanted to like you know stay with her and I think that in season one with Cassie she's definitely like the sympathetic kind of character Mm -hmm. that we're meant to like you know she is seen as kind of like just a little sad at times I'm not gonna lie and um her going after Nate I guess was like it's not unseen and it's not unheard of in like tv shows about teens and like drama like it's not something that it's something that's done but been done before it's tried and true tales of this time and of course like I think there are a lot of people that felt like there were men in the show that felt that her promiscuity was an excuse to treat her badly Mm -hmm. and then there are people who are watching the show that see her go towards Nate as a reason to like hate her but I think that at the end of the day, what happened was that Cassie is just so used to like having excuses mm-hmm. for everything all the time. Mm-hmm. And like an excuse is an explanation, but it's not like a get out of jail free card. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like we know what she's been through. We know what she's going through. We know that your dad abandoning you is very hard. And we know that like you broke up with McKay and girl, you said you was going to focus on yourself and not to be in a relationship anymore. And then a guy over six feet tall offers you a ride. Absolutely. And the one thing you don't do is offer him the coochie. That's what <laughs> we don't do. Okay. But, you know, I like, gosh, I was rooting for you, Cassie. I was rooting for you. We're all now, rooting for you. I, I'm going to say I was never rooting for Cassie, but oh my gosh. 
I love But it was. When she said that she wanted to focus on herself and not be in love for like a year, I was like, that's great. I but we knew, knew it wasn't going to happen. I you knew can't so sit here many and tell girls. me that you thought it was going to happen. No, I had faith. <laughs> I had faith in her. I knew so many girls in high school were just like Cassie, who were a little sexual too quickly or were constantly in relationships and were never single, always hanging around guys, always had guy friends, always rumors spread about them, like in their sexual endeavors. And like, men, like y'all love to have sex, but you hate women who are sexual. And you mm. like to like, watch porn but a second a girl has a video recorded her that's leaked suddenly you feel like oh my gosh she's a whore she's like it's all like misconceptions and lies and like debauchery with you men and Mm -hmm. like with cassie i really was like rooting for her because she reminded me of the friends i had in high school where i was the kid that went to bible study tuesday wednesday thursday friday and saturday morning like i was in the church okay mm. so when i had friends who were just like in the you know in the, in the not in the trenches but doing what they were not supposed to be doing those are my besties those are my babes and all i wanted was for them to love themselves and leave these men alone and like just want to be better for themselves mm-hmm. but of course the one thing they would do was go for the guy you should not be talking to the one thing you should not do is go for the guy whose father is kind of creepier. Like, oh my gosh. Like, was it, could we have seen it coming? Yes. Did I want to acknowledge it? No, because no. I didn't want this to happen. Okay, not okay. for my girl. Like, but, I really oh, was fine. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad, one, that she became a real character in season two. Like a, mm. like a more fully fleshed out character. And two, I love that her storyline is like set up to continue in season three. Um, and here, wait, my t- two of my favorite, favorite, and these are my justifications for why Cassie is one of, if not the most entertaining person to watch from like a storytelling perspective. Um, one, that screaming match um, that she got in with her her mom and like Lexi was there. Um, after like everyone found out that like she was like having an affair or whatever with Nate and like she's trying to explain it and blah blah and everything and her mom's like you can't you can't do what you did and pretend to like be innocent like if you just like accepted it blah blah blah, like it would be like better whatever and um like she throws Rue under the bus and she's like oh like everyone's like so forgiving of like Rue Mm -hmm. um and like she's like Rue has had a hard life and she's like, I've had not any harder than mine, blah, blah, blah. Now, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Here's a couple of things. At first, I was like, that like stung a little bit. So uh, this is this is like, this is levels. This is layers. At first, it stung a little bit because I was like, oh my gosh, stereotypical. A white woman saying that um, a black woman's life is no harder yeah. than hers. But then I remembered, yeah. then I remembered from a writing standpoint, Lou is not a black woman. From a writing standpoint, Lou is Sam Levinson. And Sam Levinson is not a black woman. So... We already have that, but more importantly, the the not meta side of it, the reason I like it from a story perspective is Lexi was able to say that. And it's very similar to what Rue has said, that she's able to do these things because she's had a hard life. Mm-hmm. Um, but both of them have little sisters who went through the exact same thing that they did and are able, like they're at least functioning, working, regular members of society that aren't like they might be traumatized to some extent but they aren't acting out they are able to cope they are able to move forward with their life and Lexi is like barely 433 days younger than Cassie 
So it's not like Lexi is too young to remember their dad or anything. Like, there's barely more than a year in between them. She has all the same memories that Lexi does. Um, and um, Gia is a little bit, like, she's like five-ish, four-ish years younger than Rue, so there's a little bit more of an explanation there. But the mm -hmm. fact that I like that Lexi is so, not Lexi, that Cassie is so self-absorbed in her own world that she can't see that Lexi has gone through basically every single thing that um, that she went through at least with the trauma of their dad and the growing up in that household and all of that. And Lexi isn't like this. Yeah. Because yeah. if she could admit that Lexi was like better in that way, that would kind of like take apart her entire argument. But the fact that she actually can't see it, like Lexi is literally sitting in the room when she's mm -hmm. screaming at her mom and saying that, and Cassie still can't see the, the huge piece of evidence that kind of makes her wrong. It just makes her more of a character. I like that she is so self-engrossed so that she can't see very real facts in front of her. The self-delusion makes her a lot more understandable. Yeah, I think Cassie, I do agree with you that this season has at least given Cassie more layers to herself because the show does a great job of having like those episodes where Rue is doing the voiceover and basically being like the omniscient air narrator mm -hmm. telling us about these people's past so that we have at least some background to these characters and why they act the way they act and who they are and Cassie and Rue are a lot alike where they both take part in self-destructive tendencies because of their past trauma but the thing about Rue is that she constantly has to fight back against like her own like desires like mm -hmm. Rue is a drug addict and she has to constantly fight to like try and stay clean and she has her own she has her own problems in relationships and forming relationships as a way to not address the own her own like mental issues and the thing is that we know Rue a lot more intimately and we mm -hmm. don't know Cassie as much mm -hmm. and you are right that Cassie is a, a lot more self-indulgent in her own life that she cannot see that Lexi has gone through the same things that Cassie's done. Not every single thing, but most of yeah. the same thing. Mm -hmm. And that even like Cassie is like Lexi is Lexi is actually like a a, a person. Like mm -hmm. Lexi is not out here wilding like this. She is not getting drunk off of her off her butt because uh her friend's ex or her friend's boyfriend or her friend's on and off again boyfriend is coming over that she slept with and she's scared that people are going to find out that they mm -hmm. slept together and blah 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 and the main difference between Cassie and Rue is that both Cassie and Rue are so entangled with their own problems and their own issues that they do lose sight of the other people around them and how they are affecting the people that love them and care about them mm -hmm. you know when Rue's mother Leslie talks to Rue about how this broke my heart when she said this to her daughter and it was like so nonchalant and she was just like sitting eating ice cream laying up in the bed and she was like if you want to keep doing drugs you can keep doing drugs because if i have to choose between losing two daughters two daughters or one i'm gonna save the younger one mm -hmm. and she talks about how like you know gia has been in detention she's getting d's in math and all these other things and rue didn't know because rue is so tied up in talking to drug pins to try to get free drugs and hanging mm -hmm. out with Fez and riding around on her bikes with Jules that she doesn't even realize that Gia is out here kind of falling behind because 
Gia is also being affected by the fact that her father died. You know, even though Rue is taking it badly, it doesn't mean just because Gia is not falling apart at the seams does not mean that she is not being affected by it. You know, mm-hmm. we see Gia smoke weed, hang out with those two, one of those twins yeah. that are, are, you know, gross, yeah. a little, you know, musty, if you will. Mm-hmm. And we can see Gia is like, I think Gia is a lot more like a teenager to me in the show. Like, I feel like the things that she's doing, like, failing math, smoking weed, like in my eyes, that's what teens were doing when I was in high school. So I kind of like relate to Gia a little bit more, even though it's not as interesting as seeing Rue like start off of her geometry notebook. I feel mm-hmm. like Gia is a lot closer to like teens, like everyday teens that are like going through that kind of stuff and dealing with those kind of things. And when Rue realizes that like, like Rue knows the things that she does is hurting the people around her. Like when she leaves rehab, she does everything she can to make Gia laugh because the last time Gia saw her, she was passed out on the floor and like crying her eyes out because she thought she lost another family member. Mm-hmm. Like Rue knows that she has to change the way that she acts so that she can be a better role model for her sister. And she knows that when she tells her sister not to smoke weed or not to hang out with certain guys, that she's being a hypocrite, but she's doing that out of love because she's the big sister. And she knows she has to step up in some kind of way to like have let her have a role model because the father is not there and the mother is working all the time and Rue can't be out here hanging out with Fesco and wiping white powder off her face you know she's got to do better and with Cassie she Cassie likes being the victim because in season one she truly was a victim of her circumstance like Mm -hmm. these guys took videos of her without her consent they put it online she was labeled as you know a slut and it was unfair to her and she was treated like horribly like that one guy who was dressed as ted bundy just said like the meanest thing to her that like guys would not be interested in her past sleeping with her mm-hmm. which is so gross and so devaluing and something that like if you're so insecure and you have a lot of self-doubt tied to like your sexuality and promiscuity that's really gonna hurt you and affect your self-confidence so you gleefully jumping into a relationship with a man who's going to control the things you wear and the people you talk to is a very real <laughs> reflection of the insecurity you feel as a person and like Rue is willing to change and reflect and come to her senses and Cassie would rather just keep doing what she's doing because even though she's hurting at least she feels a little bit happy like oh I might be sad but at least I have the boy at least I have the guy at least I have somebody who like loves Mm -hmm. me and wants to be with me like but to what degree like for you to like openly like want to surrender your own agency to be in a relationship with a guy who drinks like two beers a day and drives a truck at like a hundred miles per hour. Why do you want that for your life? You know, like her past isn't an excuse, isn't an excuse, but it's not irrelevant. You yeah. know, we have to take that into terms when we talk about her as a character. Yeah. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. I like so. Maybe Twitter blew this scene out of proportion, but I immediately came to this conclusion when I saw the scene. And so I feel like if I came to that conclusion by myself, maybe Twitter isn't reaching to try to think that this was done on purpose. After the fight, so the last time that we see Cassie and like Maddie and Kat and everyone and they're in the bathroom, um, we see Cassie's be up pretty bad. Like she had like her face like slammed into a wall and everything. And Maddie isn't. Like, Maddie has, like, a scratch or two. Like, she hurt her foot, whatever. Um, And we see how vastly different both of these women, who are often compared with each other and are, you know, very close friends, view themselves. 
because Maddie got a little bit hurt and she went out of her way, bought a Coke can because it was cold to ice her foot that had like a scratch on it so that, you know, she would be okay. And Cassie is sitting here with a bruised face, bloody, disgusting, and she's doing absolutely nothing to help herself. Showing that even at the end of the day, after everything that's gone on, Maddie cares about herself and prioritizes herself and like her well-being over relationships over anyone, even though she does have that history with Nate. Whereas Cassie still doesn't. At the end of the day, even when she is hurt and in pain, it's literally blatantly obvious because like she's bruised and hurt. She still doesn't care about herself. Yeah. And I think also Cassie has kind of like, I don't really want to call her a victim per se, but she has become something of a train wreck. And she like, it is, it relates to what you said about what her mom said, like, don't pretend to be innocent and doe-eyed when like what you did was wrong. So you should take accountability for it. And like, I love Lexi's play. And I'm so happy that we got to see Lexi's play because it really did like show us like how Cassie and Maddie have been best friends for so long. Like they had each other through thick and thin. Like they were like, like, like Maddie was more of Cassie's sister than Lexi was. And Lexi probably recognized that throughout her life. And it really, it really must hurt for someone who you care about, who you love, who you trust to see you go through a relationship with somebody who is, at the end of the day, one of the worst people I've ever seen, and to want to be in that relationship with that person, and to break the trust, the bond of sisterhood, just for some dick. Just for some dick. I I know it wasn't worth it. It's not. It's not worth it. And I'm glad that Maddie, at the end of the day, finally chose herself. You know, season one was very hard to watch, especially with her, like, going to school with that hoodie on. That was very difficult for, that was very difficult to watch. Like, you know, it's hard because, like, those things can't happen in high school. And uh, I think it happens not in, like, special situations, but, like, it does happen. And, like, there are young girls who do enter relationships with guys where, like, everything he does seems romantic when really it's not romantic. It's actually predatory and scary. And you should not see that as romance. Like, Mm -hmm. a guy wanting to, like, wanting you to text him. Like, if a guy asks you, like, oh, text me when you get home or, like, text you good morning or good night. But, like, a guy commenting on what you dress, what you eat, the people you hang out with, calling you an embarrassment, like, not wanting you to be around his family, like, maybe that's not something you want to, maybe that's not someone you want to be in a relationship with. You know what I mean? But for Cassie Mm -hmm. to completely Mm -hmm. ignore all of the red flags that surround Nate, who is six feet tall, and, like, the flag... The flag hangs high. It flies high in the sky. We all see it, okay? It's big. It's red as... It's as big <laughs> as red as Clifford the dog, okay? Fact. But Cassie just wanting to just still be with him. Mm. It's sad. It, I don't and, know what to say. And the it's fact sad. that we're going to definitely get more of Cassie and Nate because, um, like Cassie says at the end, like, he's like, you know what's, like, really embarrassing? Um, the fact that, like, Nate had already broken up with me before I even went out on, like, the stage. Like, before she, like destroyed Lexi's play destroyed um and then Maddie's like oh it's just starting like you think that yeah. you're done because he broke up with you babe that's been half of my entire storyline since season one breaking up yeah. with Nate and then getting back together you aren't done this is just the beginning you've only broken up one time baby you got at least another seven before you can even think about being done oh gosh I mean which realistically 
And I, I love to say it. I love to say it. I was going to say I hate to say it, but no, I am proud to say this. Nate was kind of only relevant in this season because he was dating Cassie. And I loved it. And I loved it. Nate wasn't a character outside of the fact that he was Maddie's ex, ex, and Cassie's secret. Because in season one, he was a character. In season one, he was doing stuff with Jules. In season one, he was much more involved with Lou. In season one, he was at least somewhat connected to Fezco. He was actively dating Maddie. He was somewhat in the friend group, blah, blah, blah. But in season two, like there's a couple of scenes with him and like his family and some stuff going on there. But season two, he was really only important to drive a wedge between Cassie and Maddie. And he really didn't do anything else. I mean, there was his dad. There is his dad, yeah. Like he has like, but like, whereas Nate was like a main character and a huge focus in season one. In fact, it's almost as if Cassie and Nate switch places. Because the way I would see Cassie in season one and Nate in season one, the roles were reversed in season two. Nate was the side character in season two that like popped up for the scenes where he needed and had a couple of storylines on his own, very small ones, but a couple of things. And Cassie kind of took the one, but Nate is just Cassie's secret. It's not that they're each other's secret. It's very much Nate is Cassie's secret. Um, and I, I mean, like, I, I love Nate. I don't know the, the actual actor's name. Give me a second. But, like, he did a great job. It's amazing. I just, uh, obviously, I don't like Nate as a character. Yeah. Jacob um, Lombardi, I don't know yeah, what needs Jacob to be o- done. One of these white men who direct these movies needs to take him under his wing. I'm just saying that right now. Jacob Elordi is the one... I'm I'm like, do I like Nate? No. Do I like Jacob Lordy? Yes. I, I I'm a fan. I'm not gonna lie. I'm glad that he got I, I'm glad he broke free of the uh shackles of the kissing booth. And you know, I'm hoping that somebody sees him and recognizes the genius in him and just, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, <laughs> I'm down for it. I am. Oh, absolutely. And I don't think I agree with you. I think that Nate was still like a pretty important character in the show. Even if he wasn't doing too much, he'll always be a main character in Euphoria. And I don't think it was that sure Cassie was like Nate's secret, but like Nate isn't really scared of Maddie. Like he wants to act like he is, but at the end of the day, Maddie is a woman. Nate is a tree, you Mm -hmm. know? He literally went to her room with a gun over a CD. like. This man is unhinged, you know what I mean? And like, even though he was scared of Cassie and like kind of felt threatened by her, we all know that he is like, he's the fear. You know, he is the thing that lurks in the night in the dark. All right, not Cassie, so. I think, I want to say that Nate is afraid. Wait, you, you, did you mean Cassie or did you mean Maddie? I guess I meant both. Okay, okay. Um, so I want to, I'm shifting over to Maddie. Nate isn't afraid of Maddie, but Nate, like, afraid as in, like, actually, like, scared of her. But Nate is very worried about Maddie because Maddie is one of the only things in his life that he can't control. Mm. Like, even though, like, she comes back, like, Maddie has always been very independent of Nate. Even while they're in a relationship, Maddie is very independent. Like, in especially like that CD that you brought up, Maddie was just in his room, saw a CD, didn't know nothing, didn't know anything. I was like, I'm gonna take it, gone. And then she yeah. did, and she watched it, and you can't convince me that she doesn't have a copy of it saved on her computer. Maddie isn't that dumb. Yeah. Maddie has a copy of it saved somewhere. 
but that man's already in jail now. So I mean, well. Well, yeah, he's in he's in jail now. Um, yeah. and Jules has the CD. But like, I'm just saying, just like in general, like she's not dumb enough to not copy that onto her computer. Um, but uh, the fact, but like she just did that. Like Maddie isn't scared of Nate either. Because if you like, if you were in some guy's room, like whatever, and you saw a CD that was clearly hidden, and you don't know anything, like you don't know anything about like um Nate's dad, like you don't know anything about the guy's dad, like you know that like the guy is kind of like kind of bad news, kind of trouble, you know, he does some very um abusive things, but like you're still there, you're still like kind of in the relationship. Now you check that without a second thought. She was like, I'm gonna take it. She had no reason to. It was just curiosity. And she was like, well, if it's hidden, Nate probably, probably doesn't want people to see it. They, she was like, and snatch, gone, leaves, out. And that's a no fear action. Maddie wouldn't do that if she was scared of Nate in any way, shape, or form. Even after getting like bruised by him, getting choked out by him last season, still not scared of him. And I think that scares Nate even more. The fact that even though there's a clear power difference between them. Maddie doesn't care. Maddie has never been scared of him and never will be scared of him. I'm just glad that Maddie doesn't fuck with Nate no more. Nah. Because I don't... After he took a shit at that party, she was like, that's where I draw the line. You could abuse me. You can verbally assault me. You can come after my friends. You can fight me in court. You can do whatever. But as soon as you take a shit at a party, that's where I draw the line. That's that's where this relationship is over. Right. Her baby on that door. <laughs> oh my god. Also, I don't know who that guy was that she was talking to. The dude, I don't know. He was I wanna see. But why was he had there more? Yeah, he was, he was interesting. He was interesting. Who was that guy? Also, when um unfortunately this was probably like Kat's best scene in the oh no. I think it was Kat. This might have been Kat's best scene in that season in that when she like brings her on the floor and she's dancing cat like whispers like who is he like she mouths it from across the room and my just like i have no idea and then just keeps dancing i was like mm. absolutely absolutely do it and see at least when she was like grabbing a guy to dance mm-hmm. she got the hot guy she was like let me find the cutest bitch that you yeah. let's go he was good I, I'm generally looking up who he is because I really want to know. Also, she is so smart too. Like when he offered her like the blunt and she was like, I don't smoke other people's weed. Like yeah. I was like, as you shouldn't. You as should you shouldn't. You shouldn't at all. Being no. a guy at a random party and you're going to smoke his blunt. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And she said that confidently too. There was no like, no, I really don't like. She was like, absolutely not. Nice try. Her. We love that for her. I can't find the guy's name or anything. I can't even find a picture. Where is this guy at? I don't know. He's a ghost. A ghost in the wind. All right. I'll probably look him up later. I'll, yeah. I'll figure out who he is later. Okay. Um, okay. So we probably can't go through all of the characters for <laughs> for this pod. Yeah. Um, I do want to say, how do you feel about Jules and Rue's relationship? Like, are you a stan? Do you like them together? Did you think that they're do you think they're good for each other or like I, I don't like them together. Mm-hmm. I don't like them together. But it's just I mean it screams codependency on mm-hmm. both sides. It's very a very codependent relationship. And we see that because when Jules leaves, Rue literally relapses that night. Rue didn't make it yeah. eight hours. No, it was already nighttime. Rue didn't make it four hours. 
-hmm. without relapsing after Jules left. Um, and no, it's just unhealthy. And like, like they're like cute with each other, but like no more cute than like any other relationship you'd ever see in like any other show or movie. There's nothing special. There's nothing different. Like, yeah, it's, I, yeah, it's a black woman and a, um, and a trans female, but like, so like culturally it's different and I am happy about that, but there's nothing outside of who they are as people and the fact that they're dating each other, there's nothing really interesting about their relationship, part of their relationship. Mm -hmm. That's fine. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that like season one, it was very clear that like Jules was meant to be Rue's replacement in drugs and that she was getting mm -hmm. better for Jules. Mm -hmm. And in season two, it was really hard to watch that scene where she just like loses her mind after she lost that suitcase. Like, I know that Rue was kind of like wigging out because she was sober, but like she should have told her mom, mom, <laughs> that suitcase is not mine. It was for a drug dealer. And I don't know if you exactly. got thousand dollars but this during, lady is expecting it and I do not want to die. During so. the entire uh, scene, those entire scenes, I was like, bitch, why can't you just say that suitcase was $10,000 that isn't mine? That will clear up everything. The way that everything in that scene would have stopped, silence. Hmm. And then we can yeah. figure out the rest. Yeah, uh, excuse me. Um, with Jules and Rue, I think that like it was just meant to be portrayed as like a high school relationship. Because mm -hmm. relationships in high school, when you're, or relationships when you're young, you know, it feels like, it feels like being on drugs. But it does have that feeling. Oh, of, I thought. Like, <laughs> it does have that feeling of like euphoria, of like, you know, your highs feel like highs, your lows feel like lows. Like you feel every single emotion and that's the thing about euphoria and being a kid or like at least being a teenager and and being in your adolescence is that um the show is not meant to be realistic I guess like Sam Levinson has said in interviews that like the show isn't about being realistic but like being an interpretation of reality and he's focusing the show on emotional realism like how a lot of the characters are wild and messy and they get involved in a lot of situations that a lot of teens don't but at least you know some kids that have gotten into that and although the show does focus on like the messier sides and the crazier sides like being young um the show also like it's fictional stories with truth hidden within them you know, and when you're young and you for, you first fall in love or you first meet somebody who's not like other people or like someone who's like so different, you just want to do everything for that person. But it's very clear that like Rue hid away a part of herself that was not, would, that would not be appealing to Jules. And in all season one, Rue is this little puppy dog that follows Jules around and just loves her and thinks that she's amazing and thinks that she's great and you know Jules being someone who is trying to explore their sexuality and their identity and just trying to be themselves and um, making decisions that are not always smart but they're decisions that they make and they like stick by them. Rue is just trying to be everything that Jules wants them to be and obviously you can't get clean or do better for someone else because mm -hmm. if that person disappoints you or leaves you you see that there is no point for it and then you fall back 
which is why addiction is very hard and is a disease. But like, if you want to get better or if you want to be a better person, you should do it for your own self. That way you can like, just feel better, you know? And I think another thing is that like, a lot of times when people talk about suffering, uh, they feel like there's meaning behind it. And sometimes the meaning behind your suffering is that you need to realize that like, you can take it into your own hands mm-hmm. and you can make yourself better or you can do whatever it is that you can to try and like find peace within yourself if you feel like everything around you is like going to shit basically mm-hmm. and Rue finds that out at the end of season two and of course she had to find that out because Jules ratted her out to her mom and it was a really hard scene to watch but I feel like it was important for Jules to see the like the Rue that she knew is not the Rue that she is and although it was hard at least like it was hard for me to watch too because like what that that isn't my favorite character but like i did not want rue to say that to her like when she really was like just like when rue is in that state of like i'm angry i'm sad i'm hurting so i'm gonna hurt everyone else around me and i do not care what i say and like when she gets out of that state she doesn't remember what she said that hurts me that hurts oh like i was talking like i was talking about right before that like obviously that hurt a lot too but like when like Rue is still screaming like where's the suitcase where's the suitcase like what'd you do with the pills and then Jules says we flushed them down the toilet and that was the first time that the audience knows and like Rue knows that Jules is there my heart dropped mm-hmm. I was like and like they they lean into that they're like now don't you feel embarrassed now that you know that like you know Rue and Elliot have seen like everything that you did and everything that you just like screamed and yelled and all of that I was like and this scene went on for a while like this wasn't like a quick Rue getting upset and then they revealed Jules. This scene was already going on for like 20 minutes mm-hmm. before they revealed that Jules was there. I was like, you didn't. That that shocked me. I that absolutely did not see that coming. It was out of the blue. I was blindsided and I loved it and hated it. Yeah. I I think that maybe season three we might see less of Jules, which yeah. would suck, but you know, I think I really don't know what's going to happen in season three because obviously like I'm not Sam Levison but I I appreciate Jules and like I think that her character is at least like somewhat real to what a lot of young like queer teens deal with when Mm -hmm. you're like coming into your identity or sexuality and you're like trying to figure out your place in the world and you can't really like explore it in the small town that you have so you try to like do it in the small ways that you can and you know, Jules being able to be someone who is trans and just a kid and fully transition and just like participate in things and not have to like be, you know, too, you know, like besides Nate just being a t- terrible person, you know, I feel like, oh gosh. Can I say it? Can I say it? If I might, I might just spitfire some last like random things that I want to like point out about like Euphoria. I'm actually, I'm just going to do a quick quick roll spitfire right now mm. so one if when season three happens i guarantee you it's gonna be a plot like there's gonna be a solid plot line of jewels and nate dating because they have that little Ew. scene they have that little scene remember like half of jewels character in season one was her talking with tyler and they the last thing that we really see jewels do besides like the play which just everyone's in that's the finale is jewels talking to nate and like Nate says, I meant everything that like I texted you. And Jules says, I did too. 
and like she gets on leaves. So she went and like she even admits in that scene before, she was like, I brought a box cutter up out here in my sleeve because that's how much I don't trust you. And then they switch it. And like we remember their 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 texting relationship back in season one. You can't tell me that that isn't setting up for something. There was no reason to do that if it's not setting up for something. Anyways, and like, I repeat, what does Nate do, especially now that his dad's gone? What does Nate do? What is his character if he's not dating someone? Season one, it's Maddie. Season two, it's Cassie. Season three, it's going to be Jules. I don't want it. I like. I'm just. I'm not saying it's gonna happen, but I see. I see. I see the mm-hmm. signs. I'm reading the signs. Hunter, Hunter, this is a direct plea to Hunter Schaefer. On God, I'm not gonna this. hit you. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Levison, if Sam pitches Jules and Nate dating, I need you to do us all a favor. Open hand, smack him across the face. No, that open hand. Look that man hand, in the face hand, and hand. just. Really okay, hard. Okay. Just be but, like, no, absolutely not. Let me, absolutely let me, not. You well, want to sideline <laughs> me like you did Barbie? Do it. Do it. I'm not doing it. And I, I just need, I just need everybody to back her up because okay. I don't make me sit through that. Don't make me watch it. Like I've been through enough with this show. I've been through enough. I watched all two seasons. I did what y'all asked me to do. <laughs> I don't want this. Okay? okay. It's hard enough for me to admit that I like this show, but for y'all to make it worse. After I actually sat up here and defended it? No, absolutely not. Okay, quick spitfire. Skin... Oh gosh, absolutely <laughs> I, not. I like that Maddie has a babysitting job, especially for like a rich person. It seems very realistic to her character. Yeah. I like the trying on the clothes scenes. It seems very much like Maddie, very much. Because like, we don't see her as a rich girl. That's not really like explored. Um, mm-hmm. But like, she clearly isn't like super wealthy. So, it, but she holds herself in that sort of way. And we have that little bit when she like says sees that like people who are rich, like the women who are rich and like the salon or whatever, don't have the confidence. So she's always hoping, I guess, or wishing that she was uh, wealthy or better off. So I really like her like trying on the clothes and like having her own little rich girl fantasy. Very realistic for a character. Um, I like if we had to have a two girls wear the same outfit at a party or whatever. And like, you know, like they, like that has to happen because it's high school. I love how they did it. One, I just love the idea of like um, Cassie waking up at 4 a.m. getting ready specifically just so Nate will like notice her. Mm-hmm. And I like that in the end of that montage, she like she is trying so hard that she literally dresses like Maddie. And like they see each other, they have the same outfit. It's awkward. She walks away. That's the end of it. Mm-hmm. If you have to do a girls are wearing the same outfit joke, that's like one of the best ways to do it because it was part of an actual like important character developing scene. Um, what is most of Oh, um, the most unrealistic thing in all of Euphoria in the entire series, the most unrealistic thing that ever happened is the idea that Lexi Howard remembers every single outfit that all of her friends were wearing in every scene of their lives that it happened in all the past because if you look at all the costumes that they were wearing mm-hmm. and you go back and you rewatch those episodes it's the exact same clothes i feel like lexi's that person that like has a very detailed journal yeah but like that, a photographic yeah memory. but that that's that's by far the most unrealistic thing in all of euphoria um and lexi's play that that picture hit me when like the 
when like the mom was like, oh, I know this is like a bad time, but I don't know when's the next time that I'm going to see like all five of you together. So we're going to take a picture. And then like they all pose and then we get to see the actual pic. Like if that happened like real theater, like, well, not real, but like not a TV show, like it happened like live, you know, the audience would instantly start sobbing. That was golden. That wasn't just like that good story writing. That was good theatrical writing. They put some time and effort into what we got to see of Lexi's play because that was absolutely beautiful. Um, I love Lexi's play too. It's... Let's say, I want I want to see the whole thing. I know I watched so it. Good. I know I watched Euphoria. Screw Euphoria. I want to see no. Lexi. No, HBO needs to put out the play. Yeah, like, put out the play. Yeah, y'all need to put that on HBO Max right now. I want to see it. Cause that was like, fun. That was... For once, for once, nepotism brings us like a good, you know. Well, not for once, but you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, shoot, was there anything else I? I want to say justice for Ashtray. Justice for Ashtray. Absolutely. Justice for Ashtray, y'all. I hate that you did this to me. I hate that y'all did this. And to speaking me. of that same scene, um, everyone, everyone was on Faye's side. And I like, like she went from someone that we thought was going to be like blonde girl number six hundred twenty-seven. Yeah. She like. She like got smart. Like when she dropped the glass and she was like, oops, and like she went down so she could like signal to Fed. That was smart. These bitches watching Euphoria, yeah. they would have never thought of that. They yeah. are not smart enough to think of that. And that. She was thinking of her yeah. And that literally, I mean, like we don't know, because like we don't we're assuming that Fez is still alive. Astra's clearly gone, but we're assuming yeah. that Fez is still alive. Um, she was just like shot and he is in police custody. Most likely they aren't going to let him bleed out and die. Um like Fez would not be alive if she had done that. If she hadn't done that, um, that was so smart. Love that. Love that for her. That was her moment, and she nailed it. She did everything she was supposed to do. Shout out to Faye. You did that. You're a real one, girl. You know, all my love to you. Um, I did say okay. Fezco, man. Also, I like that Fezco and Lexi had like a cute relationship, but it didn't turn into a dating relationship. Like it's just. Like, could it in the future? Maybe. But right yeah. now it's just a close, like, we talk all the time, we get each other relationship. I like that it didn't have to become an actual dating relationship. I like them. Um, Fezzy, Lexi. And then, I have to talk about this. One, because this scene was probably the scariest scene in all of Euphoria for me. And two, because now I'm sad because it's not going to go anywhere. Happy sad, because it's not going to go anywhere. That scene where... Lou goes uh, like at the end of like the like her her drug whole episode with like the intervention and like everything and she's running away from everyone all of that and she ends up at like the drug dealer's house I forget the mom's name mm-hmm. but um she ends up at her house and the morphine scene where there's mm-hmm. the entire part where like um the mom is helping like Lou like get undressed and like get in the bath and everything and that's all in the background that's blood and the only thing that we see is the morphine bottle and the needle mm-hmm. right next to it and that goes on for like three minutes they're having a whole conversation yeah. in the back and we only see that and then like actually like the actual like when she's like injecting all of that but just like that scene that's just like um, again again amazing story writing you're staying on an incredibly horrible uncomfortable scenario that you know what's going to happen and you're forced to stare mm-hmm. at it for such an uncomfortably long amount of time this isn't a couple seconds this is minutes that you're staring at what could very much be the end of Rue's life um and then like you know the story narration she's like i stopped doing drugs until like for the rest of the semester and so it doesn't really go anywhere but like 
her jumping to intravenous, that could have been the end. That could have been the end. And like, like I said, I'm happy sad that it isn't going there because I don't, I obviously don't want to see Vu go through that. But I am kind of sad because I, they clearly put such a huge emphasis on that scene for it to most likely not go anywhere now. I think that that scene served the purpose of like, a lot of people do argue that euphoria glorifies uh, drug use. And to some extent, like it does show like, you know, like the scene at the carnival and then the scene at the house parties. And then when Rue is kind of like spinning around and when Rue is like under the blanket with jewels and she has like the glitter on her eyes, it does kind of like, oh, drugs look like fun, drugs look like fun. But the show doesn't steer away from the uncomfortable mm-hmm. and sad and deadly effects that drug abuse can have on people, especially and, at like such yeah. a young age. And for someone who is constantly seeking out to escape things, like mm-hmm. a lot, like all of us have anxiety and depression and we're all dealing with a lot in our lives. And of course, escapism is the one thing that people turn to. Like a lot of people have talked about how t- TikTok's algorithm is addictive at times and how like you could spend hours on your phone scrolling through there and watching video after video and get nothing done and how people look to other things to distract themselves from what's going on in their lives or try to numb themselves from the pain. So to have a show where like kids are kind of like dealing with anxiety and depression and then having someone who was dealing with that in the same way turned to like heavy drugs it like the show when I was first watching it it felt dangerous it did feel like a walking advertisement for cocaine I'm not gonna lie but drugs like ruin your skin they ruin your life they ruin your family and I feel like it was important for kids to see that and to understand like drug use is not something that is to be played around with like it's something that people do at parties and things like mm-hmm. that but like this is something that could take off your life to the point where like you will seek after something that will give you an escape and it will literally destroy you and the fact that Rue was able to recognize that she was in real danger and she was able to run out of there and like really just like escape and get out of there because when that guy got up off that bed I really thought he was gonna pull out the window and I thought she it was done mm-hmm. I thought it was up and stuck for Rue but I'm glad that you know she was able to get out there because you know it can't be obviously with Sam Levison walking and breathing and functioning there has to be a happy ending for Rue at the end of the day and you know uh, I think that one like shot on the morphine is kind of like making people come to terms with the fact that like you may watch the show and you see these people drinking and you know doing this stuff and going to parties and having fun but it doesn't take away from the fact that that can lead to a very serious addiction that could follow you for the rest of your life and you know people are not simply just like drug addicts in the way that Cassie deflected grew to be like people have complexities and different nuances within them and you know you gotta like you have to really think through some of your actions exactly. so that you're doing in your life you know what i mean and with the cinematography in this show it really does really blend well with the storytelling like the way the show is shot and like the coloring and like the makeup and everything that ties into the show it really does make it into it really does make you feel like a teen like it does make you feel like a kid mm-hmm. and it's like dark but it's vibrant you know, there's a lot going, and the music, uh. and the music, God, Labyrinth, oh my gosh, I have loved this man for so long, and to see him be a composer on Euphoria, he deserves, because the way that Mount Everest is my favorite fucking song, and that <laughs> song came on in season one, I was like, oh my gosh, 
when I RIP, man, shut up. Shut up. I love him so much. I am so happy that he is the uh, composer for this show because he is such an amazing record producer. He is amazing. He is phenomenal. Like Electric Earth. Oh my gosh. Mm. Oh my gosh. When people were talking about Labyrinth and they'd be like, oh my gosh, I like, like Beneath Your Beautiful, that does not need to be the only Labyrinth song in your library. It should not. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't <laughs> be, but it's so good. Oh gosh, I love him so much. Yeah. I that's all the Spitfire stuff I had. Okay. I I'm gonna look through I'm gonna uh what do you have to do you wanna say anything about um Elliot, the newest character in the show? No. No. I'll, I'll do, wait. <laughs> Fine. I'll lie. say I'll say two <laughs> things about him. Two things. Okay. One, I get why he was there because it helps like create the relationship between Rue and Jules. And his character really didn't do anything extremely bad except for like allow Vu to keep using drugs, blah, 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 which she was going to do regardless. Like he didn't, he wasn't pushing her. He wasn't forcing her. She would have been doing it regardless. Um, two, we could have had more of Maddie beating Cassie's ass mm-hmm. if it wasn't for his five and a half minutes. <laughs> He said, I'm still working on it. And then goes to show us a fully composed fully- musical. <laughs> everything it was actually i was like i've already heard this on the radio what do you mean it's not complete like this was playing on my way over here yeah i do have to say i love dominic fike like i love brockhampton i've listened to them for such a long time so seeing dominic in you like seeing that he was casting euphoria was like Mm -hmm. kind of surprising to me and also seeing kevin uh kevin abstract be in a, a consultant on the show was really cool to me as well and that's another thing I like about Euphoria is that like this show really does relate to teens because like it has young people that like these teens would know or like these teens can relate to. Like I'm sure the kids that watch Euphoria also like Brockhampton and also know who mm-hmm. like Kenny Beats is and like those kind of people mm-hmm. like that. And- well, everyone knows Kenny Beats. We go <laughs> yes. nasty Kenny Beats. Yes. Baby. Oh my gosh, Smack a bitch. That's my favorite ah. song. I love it so much. Ah, ah, <laughs> ah. Yes. Okay. Um. But, like. Oh my Wait, gosh, <laughs> one last thing. I forgot this Spitfire thing. This was uh-huh. Twitter going absolutely wild. It was just absolutely hysterical. In the when Lexi goes up on stage, no, no, mm-hmm. actually, when Cassie goes up on stage, like, and she's interrupting the play, um, like one person shouts, "That's racist!" Blah blah, blah whatever. No one cares. Mm-hmm. But someone says, "Show us your boobs," and Twitter was like, "Who said show us your boobs?" And the top reply, and this had like a good like. 300,000 likes by the time I saw it. Mm-hmm. Someone said, who is the guy who shouted, show us your boobs? And someone replied, Sam Robinson. For oh, one. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I was for one. I was like, you didn't have to do that. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. <laughs> you remember, remember that scene when Rue calls Lexi after the play? And like they're talking about the play, mm-hmm. but the scene is in the I, play. I think what's that supposed to be? At least this is how like um a couple people were talking about online. And I went back, I watched it, it makes sense. Lexi showed because since a lot of it focuses on Lou's like drug abuse. Um mm-hmm. and so like Lexi, like she cared about not being insensitive, but she even talked mm-hmm. to Fez about it. She showed Lou the play earlier. Oh. To make sure she was okay with what was going to happen. 
Mm. And we was like, yes. And that's when that conversation happens. Mm. And then apparently that was important enough to Lexi that she had enough time, especially since it was a small scene, to include it in the play. Because she felt like it was important enough to like have that emotional moment. And like clearly it was because like Sam Levinson, I think, um mentioned this that that play, oh it was, this was mentioned in um into euphoria the little like docuseries or whatever they have after that that play was so important for Lou specifically because it was the first time that Lou was able to see herself as just like a normal person like she was just a person like yes she's broken yes she's made mistakes but she is at the end of the day a, just a normal human being yeah i i'm glad that Rue was able to have the self-reflection that she needed because sometimes people you a lot of times when we think about our past, we get so stuck on the things that we've done wrong and then like the cringy moments of our life that we do not see our life as like a full kind of like autobiography. Mm-hmm. And if somebody were to hand you a book of everything you've done in your life and the things that you have accomplished, you would say you've done a lot more for other people than you realize. And, you know, it's it's hard because we're like our own worst critic, but sometimes you're not as bad as a person as you think you are, unless you're nate or cassie y'all are both pieces of shit but like sometimes you're not as bad as you think you are you know what i mean especially maddie i came around to maddie in this second season because when i'm very glad i am very glad that maddie did not fight cassie that night because she was just heartbroken and sad because the person she knew for years had betrayed her except with the man who had treated Mm -hmm. her like trash but when cassie ran up on that stage she was fighting her for all of us all of us she was like oh this bitch needs to be down she oh my gosh the way oh, that cassie like was flailing all over and maddie was like no i got this i know exactly how to do this I like that, it was... that bad bitch in the back was like be her i was like how did she say what every single person watching this was yes. because i screamed beat her ass and yes. literally three seconds later that girl did i was like yeah yeah i did this yeah. show I'm giving here. us like the most important lines yes come on girl She's a hype man. She really is a hype man. Like, I love shout Kat's, out to BB. Kat is literally chasing her, trying to like stop them from fighting. She's like, don't get her. Don't get yeah. her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was, it really was like, oh gosh, I love it. Oh gosh. I I really do wish that like what happened with oh, my gosh. What am I trying to say? All right. They said that Sam Levinson put Nate getting beat up in episode one and Cassie getting beat up in the last episode were fan service. That was for us. Mm, that was for the yeah. girls. He was like, I know y'all want this. Yeah. And he was right. Fez beating up Nate, that was... That was necessary. That was <laughs> that and one then Cal right pulling up to the house. Him being here by 12-year-old. Man. Come on, bro. Come on. Yeah, hit, knocked out by a 12-year-old. Do you want to talk about... Cal Jacobs. Mm. I will say this. Okay. He did he did some horrible things and there's some nepotism running there and there's some high society rich white person, uh rich white just like male in general running there. But I do very much connect to the storyline, especially because like people fucking forget this constantly, mm-hmm. of a person who at least is like maybe they're bi maybe they're gay they're they're at least not straight they're just mm-hmm. not fully straight and they're living in a time where they weren't weren't able to be open and like actually have a relationship um or be able to get married or whatever to the person that they want to because like societally it wasn't allowed and people forget this people think that that was a long time ago i will say this until the day i die um 
it has not even been seven years since gay marriage was legalized in the US. It's been no time. If you are above the age of 25, you were most likely in a serious relationship before um, gay marriage was legal. So people like thinking like, oh, that was like back in like the 60s. That was back in the, no, no, you are alive, baby. If you are speaking these words, if you are forming that sentence, you are alive before it was legal. So we, we, can, we have at least a little bit of sympathy. We can have mm-hmm. a little bit of like mm-hmm. compassion for someone who, yes, they made horrible decisions and choices and I don't like them as like a character. I'm not gonna defend them as a character, but I can personally relate and understand someone who is pushed by society so much that they can't even make their own choices about what is arguably like one of the most intimate and special choices that you could make, who you want mm-hmm. to spend the rest of your life with. And that's been ripped away and you never even got that option. Yeah. But that's all. Other than that, terrible person, terrible character. He turns into a horrible person, partially because he's bitter and repressed. But at least the getting repressed. The society working against him, at least in that way. That, that I'll at least, I'll have a little bit of compassion for him for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> I think Cal being obviously confused about his own sexuality and then, like, pushing his son to be masculine and having to, like, you know, be a man to the point where his son turns into like a monster is ooh, very telling and the mm-hmm. mom i have to say that one scene with the mom when the mom straight up is just like i mean i know you choked that girl like i don't hate you for it and then it's like i didn't choke her and i'm just i'm sitting here like oh like, babe. you did and he was like and like the fact that the mom the mom was like one i can't believe that we raised someone more angry than like mom you know your dad yeah. and she was also like like clearly you have like unresolved like anger issues blah 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 and he's like what anger issues bitch do you what need to anger re- issues do you need to rewatch season one because i will sit down with you and we can rewatch season yeah. one like nate doesn't like his dad and like i understand that but like also you truly are a reflection of like your dad's <coughs> quality but man. if they're going to make a season three and they're going to make nate a better character it would be really interesting because i do truly believe Again, the same way that I truly believe that Cassie didn't think about anyone else and is not self, uh, self-absorbed, I do truly believe, because like a lot of people in scenarios like that, that he thought that all of his anger and all of his problems was solely caused by his dad. And that now that his dad's out of the picture, they all get magically resolved. And we know that's not how it really works. But he's 18. He's a kid. Yeah. It makes it, it's the same thing that people think like, oh, once like, I move out of like, my house, all the problems will be over. Like, I'll, I'll be away from my family and like, I won't have any of my issues anymore because my family's a problem. And they do that. And then the problems follow them because it's mm-hmm. not just their family. There's deep rooted things there that like they've gotten because of how they were raised and because of like the environment that they grew up in. Uh, if they decide to like delve into Nate's anger issues and the fact that just because his dad's gone doesn't mean his problems are solved and he actually has to put in time and work and effort into solving those problems. I would love that as a season three arc. Yeah. I'm not, not, I might not like Nate after that, but at least I could see him as a real person who had, who did horrible things, was a very angry person, but was able to eventually realize that he needs to get help if he wants to continue like living after high school. I don't know. It's an interesting way to take his character. It makes sense. There's some setup for it. I do have to say, like, um, you're right. There are people who do think that, like, they just blame their parents or their situations for the problems that they have. 
And sometimes there are things that you have to take accountability within yourself so that you can change those things about you that you don't like. And I don't want Nate, I don't want a redemption art for Nate. At like the one thing I want for him to do is leave. Like I <laughs> he ain't going I, nowhere. I don't like him. And like I see, I see what Sam is trying to do and giving him a redemption arc and making him like at least a passably likable character. But let me tell you something right now. If Ethan doesn't set him straight, I'm not gonna. I'm True. not gonna be a yeah. Because Fez is going to jail. I need somebody else to keep him in check. If okay? Ethan isn't Ethan and if Kat, Ethan, I want Ethan and Cat to be friends and tag team on Nate, talking about how terrible he is. Uh, no, Ethan. No, Ethan. You know, we're, we're gonna get the whole gang. There's going to be a seed. It's gonna be a gang fight. It's going to be Nate versus Ethan, Cassie, Maddie, and Jules. All the people that like. He's really fucked with that, like, are still like around to do that. Will, Will has their own issues. We can stay out of it, but those four tag team and they're just going at it. He's on the ground. They're going at it. Claws, scratch marks. I want to see Maddie's fingernails clawed into his chest, not in a sexual way. I just want to see the gashes. I, man, I'm just, ugh. I don't think there's anything else. To, I don't think there's anything else I have to say about the show. The yeah. last thing I do want to say is that, like, um, I understand people wanting the show to be set in college because of like the material of the show and how graphic it is. But doing drugs when you're a legal adult is very different from doing them in high school because when you're a minor, at least you can be put into rehab or like an inpatient hospital under your parents' supervision. Mm-hmm. Doing illegal drugs when you are in college gets you in jail. Like a lot of the things those kids are doing in college have very different circumstances and very different results as you know as the head of it you know you know what i mean but um all in all man <laughs> let's just last... say this let's just say this will you watch season i'm going three? to watch season three because i need to know what happens next mm-hmm. i need to know like y'all gosh i will not i i am no longer being left behind i'm no longer being left out of the conversation because what i think that i do have to say season two is better than season one because I think season two focuses more on like the dark sided part of some of the things going on. I think that um, in season three, I hope that we focus on Maddie and how her being in such a toxic relationship and such being such an abusive relationship is going to affect how she is in relationships moving forward. Uh, I think that Nate is still a horrible person because don't forget he set that guy up for assault and told that and like literally sent that dude to jail so that he wouldn't have to go to jail. Like, I... <clears throat> that was such a... That was such a interesting, conflicting scene, because, like... That was so... So horrible. was it horribly disgusting, manipulative, terrible, evil? Yes. However, that person should have already been in jail for... Like, they're in California. In California, if you're under the age of 18, mm-hmm. like, there's no wiggle room. He was very much so over the age of 18 and Maddie was 17. So objectively, he should have already been in prison for that. Mm. So like, I'm not justifying it, but I'm saying if he had to take down someone, at least he took down someone who should have already been in jail, already been in prison. Yeah, yeah, you're right, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, I don't, let me look over my notes real quick to see, uh, okay. The one, the one thing I do want to say about Euphoria is that it's very different from other teen shows that we are used to, like Glee, 13 Reasons Why, Skins is like one of my favorite teen dramas, just the UK version, not the MTV version. That was mm-hmm. terrible. 
but like a lot of teen shows do focus on heavy topics but they do it in such a melodramatic way that like it's not very it's not taken very seriously and they do it in a soap opera kind of way but euphoria has the privilege of being written by someone who dealt with that and the thing is like sam levison is a millennial and even though he is a millennial at least he has people on his team that are tapped into gen z and young people culture to make relatable and like with drake as the producer executive producer being able to kind of tie things to the culture and the things that teens relate to it really does make the show interesting Mm -hmm. it makes the show immersive you know it teleports you back to adolescence like everything about it you feel everything so intensely in the show and even though there are a lot of things in the show that are very graphic and like I am uncomfortable with the amount of nudity there is in the show and I don't really like the fact that like Sam Levison there have been rumors of him pushing for like nude scenes and like him asking for nudity and auditions and things like that like it's very reflective of the type of culture in Hollywood where men who are producers and directors and writers see women as objects and just like vessels to like push their stories forward and I love Zendaya I do and I trust her judgment and I hate Malcolm and Marie with a passion but like at some I understand that like Sam understands the responsibility he he has to tell the story and you know do some of these scenes feel like pornography at times yes do some of these scenes push the envelope when it comes to believability yes but you cannot take away from the fact that there are young people who watch the show and they see people that they know in the show or like I see people that I used to know in high school in the show as well and it is a reflection of like experimenting with sexuality and drugs and you know all that stuff that kids do when they're young and even though underage drinking and drug usage is at an all-time low for young kids sexting and um engaging in sexual activities is not Mm -hmm. and I don't want young people to feel pushed to move too fast, but I don't want them to feel like being sexual is like an evil or bad or wrong thing. And I want them to have something that they can look to, to at least like kind of show them every single aspect of like the consequences of like what can happen if you do this, or if you go through this, or if you do that, or you're like, you know, blah, 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 all this stuff, you know, it's, it's a collection of events and you know the characters are not realistic to your high school experience per chance but it is it's similar to like something that at least someone has experienced at least once in their high school like mm-hmm. i had a teacher at my high school who got fired because she got caught stealing hand sanitizer and like not everybody has an experience with teachers while they're not like this but like some people do <laughs> even though that's not in euphoria it's um you know, it's playing on the aspects of being a teen. Uh, yes, I'm trying to read over my last notes before we wrap this yeah. up. <laughs> you know, all in all, like, gosh, Zendaya deserves her Emmy. She deserves her Emmy. And if Sam Levinson could be a little less fucking creepy in season three, then you know what? I can say that I like the show. But for now, I'm giving it like a, like an 80%. All right. You know, I give it like a, a B. You know what I mean? A very solid towing the line B, you know what I mean? We haven't had any, I do skip over a lot of the graphic sexual scenes because just because like they sometimes do make me uncomfortable, but if the actors say that they're comfortable with it and like they feel like they trust Sam with his vision and they are happy being on the show, then that's enough for me. And if Barbie Fiera ever wants to, you know, 
get on Instagram Live and go off, girl, I'm gonna be right there. Yeah. I'm gonna be right there in the comments. I'll be having her up. Drop the tea. Yeah, girl, if you ever want to spill the tea, my cup is ready. All right, thank you very much. Uh, Glenn, do you have any last thoughts? Uh, no, I guess uh, I'm. I guess I'm excited for season three. I'm watching it. You know. Okay, great. So, I guess if that's it for our thoughts on Euphoria, we can tie. We can go into um, the last segment of our podcast, which is I'll Pass, mm-hmm. where we talk about TV shows and movies that we are not going to be watching or talk about industry news that we are going to be passing on. Uh, I'm going to go first because I have like two things I just want to get off my chest. Okay. The first right. one, I'm going to go really quickly. The second one's a little longer. But, right. um, the first thing, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is a Here new yeah. film that came out on Netflix. Um, it is supposed to be a reboot of Tobe Hooper's 1974 original series. You know, there have been, I'm sure there are other like prequels or whatever. I didn't watch them because I don't really do horror. And you watch this? Much. I didn't watch it. I watched like every single YouTuber that does movie reviews reviewed this movie this week. Mm-hmm. So I have watched five different videos of people saying the exact same thing over and over and over again. And basically the movie, the retelling is about these four, it's about a couple that basically buys a town, I think that went bankrupt or something. And it's isolated and it's like really old and it's supposed to be like the same town to like you know, the Chainsaw Massacre, Leatherface, whatever his name is, was there. And um, basically, they buy the town, they're going to redo it and like make it like a utopia for millennials or whatever, you know, gentrification at its finest. And um, I wanted to watch the movie because Jacob Lattimore is in it. And I love Jacob Lattimore. I think he's beautiful. But I didn't end up watching the film because when I was reading the reviews for it, I was like, ooh, I'm going to watch a review and see what it's giving. And like, I could even watch people review nope. the movie nope. because it was just too much. Like mm-hmm. horror on horror, like mm-hmm. interviews from the cast talking about how disgusting it was to do the scenes in the movie. Like I understand that horror films are meant to scare people and there's meant to be shock value and all this stuff, but there needs to be a line drawn between things that are scary and gore and just excessive violence and like blood and guts everywhere like y'all really do be doing there's a difference both between, sometimes there's no difference between scary yeah. and just icky because like yeah for example uh, uh not like super recent but like a recent movie that is does an amazing job at being scary with way with very minimal gore like it like the first mm. it not it chapter two but when they're all kids there's very little gore in that movie there's like a maybe like one or two blood scenes with like balloons. So very minimal gore. But people thought that movie was super scary. They were terrified. It was very unsettling. It was very creepy. It got into people's skin. Minimal gore. This, mm-hmm. just icky. No one's saying it's scary. I haven't seen anyone say it's scary. People say it's disgusting. People say it makes them uncomfortable because it's so bloody and gross. No one's leaving this movie feeling scared. Mm-hmm. They're leaving this movie feeling queasy. Yeah. And I think it's on Netflix. I don't know if they play yeah, it's in theaters as well. I'm pretty sure it's a Netflix original. Okay. Like, you can do dark and gritty without doing the most. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, it's, it's just not, it's not good. It was, I'm very glad that I didn't watch it. But um, all in all, I feel like, easy. if you want to make a horror movie, please make a better one. Yeah. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> <not> <laughs> please focus less on, like, 
the dying, seeing guts, people screaming, like the the horror. Like there were some parts of the uh, movie that I saw in clips that were interesting and that worked. But like, if y'all do like two different misdirects at the end of the film, I'm going to get annoyed. I'm done. Like I can't do it. Like at some point, like it really needs to. Like y'all need to let it go. Like y'all need to let these these monsters die. Like if these horror these like creatures these monsters these men these murderers if i see somebody get hit over the head with an air conditioner i'm gonna assume you're dead if i see somebody get trapped under a floor and the house is burning down i'm gonna assume they died i don't want them crawling out of the floor and killing all the firemen and then go on to hack the entire village on halloween night y'all are doing the most you are turning these men who are literally just murderers into supernatural beings that cannot be stopped it cannot be killed and you're pushing the envelope of realism already and i can't have it all right Mm. i don't i don't care enough i it needs to stop it needs to stop so y'all gotta let these y'all gotta let them die y'all gotta let them die that's it like a horror movie can be a horror movie without doing too much you know all the slashers and all this stuff it's just it's so unnecessary the carnage is not helping the carnage is not helping the plot it's not helping the writing it's not helping the story like i don't care how many guts are on the screen it doesn't make the movie any better it's just Mm. gross please let it die all right just let them die just let them die all right um next last thing i want to talk about is uh i think this is an old story but i don't think it's that old okay it's from february 16th so it's not too old um so apparently there's going to be a revival movie for Teen Wolf, but Arden Cho will not be uh, in the movie because she was offered half the salary of her white co-stars and the directors are facing a huge backlash from this. Uh, if you did not watch <clears throat> Teen Wolf, I watched Teen Wolf up to like season four uh-huh. because you know what these teen shows at a certain point, the plot, it just, it's not. It evaporates. You just gotta, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> it was just doing too much like, y'all were doing too much with Lydia and not enough with like I, I I'll let it go like turning Dylan O'Brien's character into like the bad guy in one season that was good like that was great but like we don't bring back Peter and then make him the bad like if you haven't watched Team Wolf you don't know what I'm talking about but like anyways <laughs> anyways essentially um Arden Cho she plays the character of Kira who appeared in over half of the show's sixth season run. She appeared in season three with her background as a kitsuna, I believe that's how you pronounce it, or kitsune. And she became very central to the show's plot, as did her Japanese and Korean heritage, as well as East Asian mythology. And her, she is so, her character was amazing. Her character was phenomenal. She was basically Scott's new love interest. She was interesting. She was funny. She was dope. She was a great, like, actress a really great fighter she did amazing stunts and all in all people really liked her and she became really memorable and her love for scott was really beautiful and Arden Cho is just like a gorgeous woman and amazing and it does suck that she's not going to be premiering it sucks that she's not going to be in the show but for her to stand on her own two legs and be like i deserve to be paid what i am due and i deserve to be paid just as much as everyone else in the show is valid because you know she shouldn't be paid more just because she's the only person of color in the cast. She should be paid as much as everyone else because she contributed as much to the show as everyone else did. Sure, she wasn't on the show as much as Tyler Posey, but you can't tell me that that one actor that showed up in season four to season six should be paid more than her, all right? 
because season three, y'all still get a lot of rest with a lot of new characters that you are bringing into the movie that don't really need to be there. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say that right now because they do not apply to the plot no more. And also they were not as interesting as Arden, not as great actresses, actors as Arden as well. So for you to say that like she is not worth as much is so like to be offered half the per episode salary as proposed to her three counterparts, completely unfair. And her decision to pass is is valid is 100 percent valid and i truly do hope that like she like you know girl if you're not acting no more that's fine that's okay Mm -hmm. obviously you know i think that it does suck that there are pay disparities between other actors in hollywood and just in the workplace in general and in the job market in general and it is not uncommon in the industry in the entertainment industry or any industry but she should be paid what is due to her she should be fairly compensated for the work that she brings and her being one of the most interesting funny talented skilled actresses on the show for as long as she was on the show and her having to replace um crystal reed who was amazing on the show great actress phenomenal character loved her to death was so sad when she left but arden really did come into the show and she really was giving us quirky nerdy asian girl vibes with a nice little samurai sword on the side like she was giving it Mm -hmm. to us she was giving the girls what we wanted and she was really great in the show so for her to not be given what she is due that's ass honestly it sucks and it's completely disrespectful and for them to think that she would be, she would take lesser pay just so she could be in that movie, absolutely not. Because at the end of the day, was I gonna watch the movie? Probably for nostalgia's sake. But now that I know the artist is not gonna be in it, I'm probably not gonna watch it. Mm-hmm. I'm probably not gonna watch it. Okay, actors of color should be given fair compensation for what they bring to the table because she is absolutely bringing something to the table. Absolutely, right? you know for her to bring in something new, something interesting, something different to the show, to bring in a new sense of like culture, because the show obviously focuses a lot on like, um, you know, what it was like to be a werewolf, blah, 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 that stuff. But mm-hmm. to bring in like Korean and East, Eastern Asian culture, sorry, my throat was so dry. To bring in something different to the plot, but then to discard the character as if she like, and to not treat, like, it's not fair. Mm-hmm. It is absolutely not fair. And she she deserves it you know i mean like i i love her to death and i hope that you know moving forward we get to see her in like something really awesome and and amazing so yeah all right all right um is there anything you're gonna pass on glenn uh yes yes there is um i don't feel the need to dog on it too hard but um ads are starting to go they're starting to be shown for uh Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore. And the only oh, thing I want to say gosh. is the biggest secret is how is this movie still being made? And how are the two movies after it? Because this was supposed to be a five movie series also going to be made. Like, I know that like realistically, like production probably stopped because of COVID. Um, and like, I know that like before COVID, we really didn't know as much about um, JK Rowling as we do now. But I'm just saying, before, without even knowing a single thing about this movie, I could say objectively, this movie could be, like, I'm not saying that would, but like, this movie could be the best thing to ever come out of anything J.K. Rowling's ever done, the best movie, objectively, and it's still not going to do well at all, because 
the entire reputation has been tainted so heavily um, that I'm honestly, I was surprised to see that was actually coming out. And I will be passing on it. These movies have nothing to do with the Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. Like, the first one kind of was, like, it kind of was, but, like, you know, the second y'all replaced Colin Farrell with Johnny Depp, I was out for the count. I'm sorry. Mm. Like, that's the one thing people always bring up about these movies, and I will bring up to the day I die because I love Colin Farrell so much. Like, I, listen, listen, he's in a new movie called After Yang, which is a movie about a family that has like an AI child and it looks so good. And I'm going to watch it because Colin Farrell is beautiful and I love him so much. But like, we don't need this movie. We didn't need a movie about a book that was just something that J.K. Rowling just wrote on a whim. Like Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them was literally a book that she wrote that was a book that Hagrid would have on his bookshelf and then never really read or think about it. But y'all turned this whole this thing into a whole movie series and it ain't nothing about these Fantastic Beasts no more. Mm-hmm. Like we're getting Dumbledore's backstory that we didn't really need because y'all spent most of the Deathly Hollows finding out about Dumbledore and his brother. But we really didn't need to do that because Harry should have been taking his ass to Hogwarts to fight Voldemort. Like y'all spent half of the third act of that book and in that movie trying to figure out Dumbledore anyways. What does he need a second movie for? We know he's not gay. So what's the point? What's the point? What's the point? We're going to go through all these freaking think pieces again about y'all hinting and alluding at him. Maybe not being straight. This is 2022. There's no such thing as hinting. I don't believe in it anymore. You either say the character is a fully fledged homosexual raging male or he is objectively straight. I don't want these clues. I don't want these these little like signs, these flat, no. Is, are they a raging homo or are they a raging straight? Those are the only two options. I don't want this half in between. If you wanna have a storyline about them being confused and find out about themselves, you can do that. But I ain't playing this back and forth, will they, won't they, with someone's sexuality. <laughs> Why are these movies being made? <laughs> and what? there's two more after this. It was a five what? movie, it was a five movie deal or whatever. And I guarantee you ain't seen no beasts in the fifth movie. Not a single fantastic beast will be in the fifth movie. What's it gonna take for them to rip up that deal? What's it gonna take? See, here's the thing. What's it gonna take? If it hasn't been ripped up already because of everything that like has come out about Joanne, hmm. nothing that that is that's an airtight contract. Nothing's ripping up that contract. Hmm. If being that publicly like destroyed and wrecked and having your entire reputation ruined so much so that you couldn't even be in your own 20th anniversary special Hmm. nothing's ripping up that contract Hmm. that is airtight sealed ironclad well i mean so i can't wait to pass can't wait to pass Uh, okay um i mean i guess that's it yeah yeah i guess that's it okay guys we hope you enjoyed this week's podcast um let us know your thoughts uh on instagram follow us on there for any updates um follow us on tiktok uh be sure to rate and review us on apple Podcasts and spotify tell the pod share the pod with your friends and you know we'll see you guys next week with another episode bye guys bye